0: Greetings fellow Wanderers in the fourth dimension and welcome to the greatest show in the galaxy. I'm Mike and this is our Series 9 Retrospective. Joining me as always is Emma Foster. Heyo! And we have been joined by three, count them, three special guests. First of all we have Shane Thomas.
1: Good evening everyone.
0: Scott Madison. Hello. And our overlord in all things Simply Syndicated, Richard Smith. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so, Doctor Who series nine, final thoughts. Go. Loved it.
2: I loved I, it as well.
1: Yeah, I li- I enjoyed it. Even though gen- from the general reaction, I think I probably liked it less than others.
3: Is I may
1: I, I, I may be the more yeah <laughs> I may be the more voice of dissent um, compared <laughs> to most people on the panel.
2: But hey, I'm on a Doctor Who show. <laughs> you know that's how good it was. It's not that long ago that I wouldn't have done this hmm. really. And yet here I am. Cause it was awesome. <laughs> there you go.
3: It, it, me. uh, it, it, definitely brought my opinions up after last season, which, uh, while not being necessarily a bad season, uh, I wasn't as blown away by, um, Capaldi's debut as I was hoping to be. Uh, this season definitely made up for it. Uh, Loved him throughout. Loved most of the stories,
4: mm-hmm. certainly not
3: all of them. I'm looking at you, Mark Gaddis. <laughs> <laughs> but but overall, um, it th- this the season as a whole left me with the type of positive feelings that I got with uh, the best of the Smith and Tennant seasons. Mm. Uh,
0: so we've got a few uh, talking points. Of uh, written a list out. Um, so I think maybe it's where we should start off. Normally we'd start off with Peter Capaldi, but. Given that this was a swan song season, I think we have to talk about Jenna Coleman as Clara. So, Emma, what do you? What oh, do you okay. Think? Um,
5: well, I think that we're, because obviously we we were reviewing it sort of every other week, and mm-hmm. I think it's something that we talked about quite a lot. In that, um, generally, like Clara, like like the the relationship between her and Capaldi's doctor, but um, it's something that Rick has also said on shows of ours that it felt like it wasn't really earned. Mm. Um, there was something lacking in it. I don't know if it was, it didn't seem to be like a chemistry thing at all. It just seemed to be a, a not writing her properly and not really knowing what they wanted to do with her ultimately thing. Um, so while, you know, individually it was good and the performances were definitely enjoyable and she's a great actress and don't want to take anything away from her. I think it was purely a, it seemed to be a, a thing of like, we had this huge story of the impossible girl and now that's resolved and she's still here and what do we do with her?
1: That was that was exactly the problem. I'd also actually add though that I don't think her and Capaldi had particularly great chemistry. I don't think she had particularly great chemistry with Smith, but I wouldn't be too harsh on the um, people behind the show for that because I th- I think it's underrated how difficult that is when you're you've got a show of of a uh, different people. Uh, you know, you've got a um, series of moving parts to get two people or sometimes more people in a room, and they can all be talented but they might just not mesh all well together, and you can't manufacture that. You can't write good chemistry.
2: Um, no, you can't.
1: You, you can't. And they can be really good actors, and you did have good actors. The quality of the acting was not an issue, but they come in, they do a great reading, you think, okay, this is good. And then, and sometimes even a reading with a cast member in a room um, in Cardiff somewhere might be good, and then you get them on set and you say action, and it just doesn't fly and there's no clear reason it's intangible why it works or doesn't work Mm -hmm. but it's one of those things you know when people have good chemistry and know when they don't um and i think david tennant and billy piper had good chemistry david tennant and Catherine tate had good chemistry in different ways for example Mm -hmm. um matt smith karen gillen arthur all of them had good chemistry as a free um, Jenna Coleman just so Jenna Coleman. It's just bad luck, really, that she happened yeah. to be cast along with two doctors that she didn't particularly have great chemistry with. Maybe she'd have had good chemistry with Tennant. Maybe she'd have had good chemistry with one of the Bakers. There's there's no way to know for sure. But I don't think the chemistry. I thought the chemistry was always average. And in addition to what Rick said and what Emma said, she's like you know when you got to do a, um you got a, your maths exam and you might have your answer. You've got to show you're working out. Mm-hmm. beforehand you don't get the grade that's what clara was she was a complicated maths puzzle without showing any working so it's so she's a teacher now she's an impossible girl she's like the doctor without any clear sh- she got from here to here and how here's how she did it mm. and all the times clara did supposedly amazing things to make the audience love her but it's, the thing is if you don't earn it you don't show your working then it doesn't matter what clara
3: does
2: i'm gonna miss Mm (laughs) it sorry
3: sorry i agree with rick and emma in that um after they wrapped up the impossible girl storyline they didn't have another uh good character motivation lined up for her so it it felt that her relationship with danny last season was something that they cooked (laughs) up just to make sure that she had something to do yeah why was she a teacher it's never explained.
1: It's never explained why she was a teacher. It seemed to be just because they wanted the Cole Hill school bit for the day the Doctor, and it made sense to have Clara as a teacher so you could have the Coal Hill reference at the start of the episode. Yeah, and it's right. like, oh, well, we'll make her a teacher now. It's never explained why she became a teacher.
3: If, if they had kept with the original plan, which was to um, have her story end at the end of last season, and not bring her back for this season, I would have been totally fine with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but for wh- whoever really pushed for it and decided it they brought her back for another season and something that I I think I realized just as I was putting my thoughts together in preparation for this episode most of the um most of the story in season 9 between the doctor and clara it's meant to show us how much the doctor has come to rely on her and just be so used to having her there that the thought of not having her is frightening to him which is why i don't know if anyone i I might be wrong on this but it seemed to me that he was going out of his way to keep her out of danger as much as possible this season because he was unwilling to risk losing her at all and and that's fine but her character (laughs) suffered this season because they spent so much time focusing on the doctor's reaction to her and the specter of losing her that they forgot to focus on her and remind us why she is so important in the first place.
1: And I totally agree. And I think the reason was to try. And if the doctor gives a shit, and we got to give a shit, um, right? So that was the whole reason. That look how great she is. Look how much the doctor cares. So now we have to care
3: mm-hmm. without yeah, without
1: I, I, any clear reasoning of why we should care.
3: Yeah, I, I think back to season nine. I tried. I ask myself, what are the great character moments between the two of them that show the connection they have and show why she is so important to him? And the only thing I come up with are instances where the Doctor is worried about losing her and his reaction at the end of the season when he does. But moments of the two of them interacting, they don't come. It's just reactions of the Doctor that come when I try to think of those, which tells me they didn't give her enough space to show us why she's awesome.
1: Yeah, and that was because you wasted a whole her first series, which was Series 8, uh, which I think was, was the worst since the show's come back, was just a wasted series. So every, most the fan base had made their mind up about her already that we don't like her. So the writers is a plain catch-up from that moment on. So it's we don't have time to do those things you just said, Scott, because we need the audience to like her now. Right. Um, but, and it, it all comes back to the shit show that was Series 8. And the mess they made of Clara's first series. Mm -hmm. And now Clara is... Clara's not starting at zero. She's starting at minus three with everyone. So the writers are almost playing catch-up. And the whole... Her story from then on felt like a rushed elevator pitch. Which isn't Mm -hmm. the fault of... Again, none of this is the fault of Jenna Coleman. Um, She did the best. All the actors did the best of what they had. But... um, Yeah, it's like you're starting a race, but you're 10 meters behind everyone else.
3: So rather than show us why we should care about her, they just told us very clearly, you care about her very much. Because the doctor doctor cares. cares. Assume assume that we'll go with it once they tell us that we do, Mm. rather than helping us get there on our own. Mm. But still, at the same time, I'm also with Richard. (laughs) There are aspects of her that I'm going to miss. Because it's always fun when you have a companion who is that comfortable on those adventures. I do get a little bit tired of every week they're gonna go on an adventure and the companion is confused and scared and totally lost and has no idea what's going on. And then we have to spend so much time catching them up. There there is entertainment and comfort to be had in the doctor and his companion, whoever it happens to be, being a good team together who both know exactly what's going on.
2: Do you think the next (coughs) companion will be Average looking, <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> like, like, you know,
1: they're, they're normally not
2: like most people on the yeah, street. They're, they're normally not, yeah. I've, I've noticed this, yeah. So. yeah. I, I've noticed <laughs> this a lot. About it. If
1: you go in, I mean, I was going to bring this up at the end, but maybe you should address it now. Like, I'm guessing because Emma, if anyone knows, I'm guessing Emma would have you heard anything about who's, who's next off the rank? No, yeah.
5: not a sausage. Um, Um, Nothing yet.
1: And has anyone got preferable? I wouldn't mind seeing so and so be.
5: Again, I haven't really heard anything. the The latest one I heard, which was very confusing, that someone apparently said Ellie Goulding, the singer. (laughs) But that's got to be bullshit. Someone just probably put that on a forum somewhere. But the fact that I I have heard, I've I've haven't have not heard a dicky bird about anything. They're playing it very close to their chest because of um, their their schedule has actually been knocked back a fair bit because of Sherlock, because Cumberbatch has been filming Doctor Strange, Sherlock's mm-hmm. moved back, so who's moved back? So I mean, I don't even know if they've even even they've even started casting the the, start, the casting process yet.
1: Um, what if uh, there's a video? Um, I think it might have been in the Doctor Who festival. Um, there was like a media line and Moffat's been interviewed in Capaldi um, I saw, it's from Digital Spy, it's on YouTube it's easy to find mm. and Moffat got asked about that and I just saw this coincidentally a couple of weeks ago I'm trying to remember what he said but I think he said he had an idea a basic idea for the first episode and that was going to be a full run and that he hadn't, they hadn't cast it yet mm. This mm. The, the festival was what, November wasn't it?
5: Uh, yeah, that was in November. Yeah, it was so, around the anniversary.
1: Yeah, so if they've cast or started casting, it wouldn't have been long, long ago. No,
5: no. Or, I or mean, they what haven't
1: even started yet?
5: The fact. Usually, the good indication is when the bookies start, you
1: mm-hmm. know,
5: saying, "Oh, this person, that person." That's usually a fairly good indication that something is out there in the world and has leaked. But the fact that there's, a, I, you know, there's nothing at all I've heard. Um, yeah, anyone's so, you- guess at this point.
2: I'm just hoping they don't cast another hot girl in her 20s because it it bothers me somewhat. Um, I feel like it's not a role that should be in any way sexualized, but they do. And to that, I cite the evidence of clearly how much time they spend on Clara's hair and makeup and how that girl could go through 9-11 and be sparkly fresh. That you know, nothing messes her hair up, nothing stops her makeup being immaculate, not being sealed in a fucking pod under London for however long, nothing spoils that, girl, that girl's hair and makeup. And it,
5: as it, it always it, has been with companions, mate, it's yeah, that's a minute that's one,
1: one. Nothing new. but also that's nothing talking, new, you, yeah.
2: Well, is, yeah. And it, it, it bothers me
1: because is your it, issue it, is your issue the casting of the person or no. the way that they're rendered
2: the way that they're rendered it's nothing yeah. to do oh with, right okay um, uh, gosh her name's gone what's Clara's real name
0: Jenna Coleman. Coleman Jenna, Jenna Coleman.
2: Coleman nothing to do with that. I don't, I don't have the slightest problem with Jenna Coleman whatsoever I, I have nothing bad to say about the work she does my problem is with the way that the makers of the show present her because it's not a sexualized role I don't want to see it in that way but they clearly want me to that is, that is clearly part of their, their thing and it gets in the way of the adventure of it all of of and I know I'm saying this about Doctor. Who, but the realism of it all, right? I know we're talking about a film with a time Lord in it and sorry a TV show with a time Lord in it, and all of that sort of thing, but I, I still think there are certain nods to realism like people can get dirty that you should probably keep in there and they just cut it all out and it it, it detracts from it. It pulls me out of the experience. It's annoying, and it it's it to me says that they don't think a lot of Jenna Coleman.
1: I but don't. It's a, that's the thing, thing, I don't, it's a Doctor Who problem.
5: I think that's the start. You know, Star Trek also used to have that mm-hmm. problem. In that, you know, Voyager is you know example <laughs> example zero of yeah. this. In that, you know, you you're in. In the, you know, in the in far away from home, and every week, you know, they have a battle, and you know, someone's still cl- hoovering the carpet. Some, you know, that ship is still immaculate. Mm-hmm. You know, it's telling that the only time it looked beat up was in a special episode, which didn't happen because time travel.
4: Our
2: starships yeah. clean themselves, Emma.
5: Yeah, of course they do. <laughs> but mean, you know what I'm saying is, <laughs> I
1: think Richard's complaint's a totally fair one, but the issue is almost with the fact that it's men writing a lot of these, and then I don't think they do it deliberately a lot of this is done without...
2: Do you know what? I don't even blame that, because I don't think at any point Stephen Moffat wrote, and her makeup remained... Yeah,
1: definitely not.
2: It didn't (laughs) happen, right? That is someone else's decision being made. It's nothing to do with men writing the script. It, it's someone else's decision, and I would put it down to a producer, to someone. Oh no, I don't something.
1: mean the script. I mean just men, be- other people telling the story, the, the, the authors yeah. rather than the specific but writers. I think it, it's
5: something that they they call like the male gaze. Yeah. In
1: the, yeah, they, yeah,
5: they they assume that nearly all media essentially is subject to the male gaze. So you, it's it's constructed in a way to appeal to men.
2: See, as I've, 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 I know I've pointed this out before, not about this season, but the, the first one of the last season of season eight, that, you know, the doctor's gone missing, he's regenerated, they're lost in the past, but Clara's got a, at least five hours of hair work done. <laughs> you know, and it's, just, why have you done that? Why would you do that? That is just ridiculous. You know it took five hours because you had a makeup person doing it for five hours. You know. There's another example.
3: After Tara uh, <coughs> and Missy were trudging through the Dalek sewers filled with the decomposing bodies of dead Daleks, she still looked better than any prom date I ever had. Exactly.
1: <laughs> uh, you, your point is totally I, hmm. correct. I don't disagree with it in the slightest.
2: And um, at I the think same time,
1: problem with TV and film.
2: But yeah, just, yeah,
1: yeah,
5: it's a TV and film problem. It's yeah. difficult to narrow it down to a Doctor Who problem,
3: because as as another example on the opposite side of it, um, during the Smith years when Amy and Rory were were his companions, the the producers and the costumers and makeup people didn't seem to really go all that far out of their way to make Rory look dashing or handsome. He just looked okay. He's a guy. Just some frumpy looking guy. This is
2: is my problem with the when they have boyfriends for companions, that they're always someone where you're thinking, why has she even looked at you? Like, what? No fucking way. I didn't like Arthur Darville in in Doctor Who at all. Um, I've come to be okay with him as I've seen him in other stuff. Like Broadchurch and I think there was, I feel like I've seen him in something
3: else recently. Well, he's going to be showing up in DC's Legends of Tomorrow starting in a few weeks. Uh, you know
2: weeks. what? That's what I'm thinking I've seen, but I haven't, obviously, because mm-hmm. it doesn't exist yet. Um, just a trailer, but,
1: probably, I'm guessing, or something. Mm, There's several trailers. I am so wait, excited. Wait, wait,
2: why is she with you? Are you fucking kidding? Even um, you the nicest man in the world, she's not talking to you. That's just all there is to it, and it was the same with Billy Piper's boyfriend as well
1: yeah generally you're right and again this isn't actually a doctor who issue this is a tv and film issue you see a lot in tv and film but um they did at, at least attempt to give some backstory to amy and rory in that respect of why yeah why would someone like amy look at someone like rory and at first yeah at first she was never interested um i mean you can again debate whether that was still credible enough um but they at least address that way well, with Mickey and Rose. They never address that in the slightest.
5: I mean, it's got its own. has got its own TV trope page, I believe. If memory serves, it's like ugly, Rubly. ugly guy for you yeah. know, beautiful woman or something like yeah. that.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's it's that uh, that's it's a quite a common trope. So, um, you're I mean you're 100 percent right, Rich. Um, it is some, It's Doctor Who just replicating the the medium, which is still a problem. Which is still a problem. Yeah, it's, it's a
2: shame they do that sense. in that way. Because it's a show that has broken a lot of ground in many ways, and they've kind of stopped doing that. It, it's kind of like they've gone too far the other way. Because when it was Russell T. Davis, it was too much. It was it was far too much, uh, and I, I hated how he did it. Um, it, 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 you know, I I honestly felt like at some points the show was Doctor Who colon. There are gay people too, you know. <laughs> 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 like yeah, I know. Okay, just chill out. I was ju- I was just watching Doctor Who. It's all right, you know, calm down. But and now they've gone like the other way. Like there are only fit people, you know, only fit people in Doctor Who. Like, Leave it out. There aren't, you know. And you're right. It is a it's a sci-fi problem. It's a a media problem. Mm-hmm. I complained about exactly the same thing in Transformers Four. Amongst many other things, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but well, even then,
5: so you, yeah, Doctor who yeah, the
2: but even then you you can put that down to Michael Bay, you know. Hmm. Um, but and so I don't expect there to be any crossover between a Michael Bay production and anything in Doctor Who. I don't expect it to be comparable in any way, shape, or form. Least of all, their depiction of young women. And yet here we are. So I, I actually think the way they've presented Clara has been uh, a travesty, but not a slightest problem with Jenna Coleman. And I, you know, it, you say you miss her, but hey, it's just a TV show. Someone's not in a TV show anymore. She'll get work. Because
5: I mean, you said you'd, I've heard you say you, you would miss her, Rich. So why, why would you miss her or is it?
2: I, do you know, I, I quite like her. I think she's quite a watchable performer. And mm. I, I love the fact that she's northern and other things. Yeah, and she I'm hasn't just,
1: diluted that northern accent, yeah, yeah. which I like.
2: I'm just very comfortable with her. I yeah. think she's good. And she's well, quite good looking.
1: One thing, actually, I forgot to mention about Clara as her as a performer is... And maybe she was, in a way, slightly Miss as a companion, because I don't think she works... I don't think her strength is the girl next door. I thought she always worked best on the show when she had to play either enigmatic or straight-up angry. Um, so I mean, it's... well, I
5: remember in our show reviewing it, Mike, you were quite into it in, during the Saigon invasion slash yeah. inversion. She, uh,
1: yeah. she plays Bonnie, Bonnie yeah. and also, yeah. I believe, Emma, you called it her heel, t- heel turn, Clara's heel turn, when she's chucking yeah. all the TARDIS keys in, in the volcano, in yeah. um, Dark Water. That Just that scene, as a standalone scene, when she, when she got to play beyond just like your friend you go down the pub with, when she got to... Because often often the companion has to be all things to all people. The companion is the avatar for the human audience. Hmm. Um, But when she, for whatever narrative reasons, got to break away from that, I think that's where she shone as a performer, and that's probably where she shines as an actor, and if she gets roles like that in the future. Like, she's an actor. I, I can easily see her being a star, like a mm-hmm. big nine, big time TV star in the next ten years. I'll be interested like to see what, how a, she does with an Oscar or something.
5: Yeah, I'll be interested to see how she plays Queen Victoria because that's her next thing. She's yeah, like, I
1: heard. Yeah, I'm not sure about that to be honest, but we'll see. I
5: will just hope they put her in a massive fat suit when she's like, <laughs> <you know, late laughs> that'd be hilarious.
1: <laughs> she's playing Queen
2: Victoria.
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay. So she's got work afterwards.
2: I'm assuming it's assuming it's the young Queen Victoria. Otherwise, oh, you'd cast well, someone old, wouldn't you?
0: Um, I don't know, actually. I've never really like read that much about it. I just know she's doing it, so I've never really read that much about it.
1: Yeah, it's not the kind of thing I'm probably going to seek out to watch.
2: It's a TV series. Oh, God. The early life of Queen Victoria from her ascension to the throne at the tender age of 18 through, her, through to her courtship and marriage to Prince Albert. She didn't marry Prince Albert. He became Prince Albert once she'd married him. She married Albert. Sorry. Um,
1: <laughs> I tell you what, that'll be nice if she does that in a northern accent.
2: It would be. <laughs> well, she'll, she'll have to do a Queen Victoria voice, which, does, do we know what that is, really? Have we got a recording? Or does no. that exist? No. no.
1: Generic, generic posh. Yeah. Generic
0: posh, that's generic what she'll coffee. have to do. Yeah. Well, probably yeah. if you look at um, when she was playing the governess in uh, The Snowmen, when she was, when she was uh, Clara... Uh,
1: or Mary Poppins. Aye. Era Clara. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that sort uh, of thing, yeah. Mock Cockney accent.
2: <laughs> oh, She's got a film coming up with Amelia Clark in as well.
1: Who's mm. Clark in? Uh, Um, oh. yeah, I could, yeah, I could see like her getting to that level, like where media Clark's at. Mm. I, 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 could potentially depend on.
5: Well, she could, she could she end up in like um, you know, because Marvel, they were saying um, Marvel and DC seem to be doing a good job of employing ex Doctor Who actors. So <laughs> yeah, you know, I sure. can see her in you know one of the you know of the Galaxy movies like you know Karen Gillan was or one of those type movies one of those straight to Netflix type deals you know so well, there,
3: there's going to be a problem with that though uh, Marvel Studios and the Marvel Cinematic Universe has um, a rule that they have instated which is if an actor plays a role in any of the Marvel Cinematic Universe works then they cannot play another they, right. they're not going to have someone appear as two different people in, in the series even if it's a small little role for example um, Ralph Garman, um, one of the hosts of Hollywood Babylon, one of the Kevin Smith podcasts, he played a, um, uh, a voice actor on Peggy Carter in season one doing the Captain America radio show. Mm-hmm. That's the only role he can play in the Marvel Cinematic Universe now because he's played one and that's all he can do. And Jenna Coleman has appeared in the Marvel Cinematic Universe already. Yeah, yeah she has. So they, You're absolutely so right. They, they can't put her back in. <laughs> so, was she in Captain America?
2: Yeah.
1: D C are expanding their universe now. She might show up there. Oh, that's true. Might have yeah. own the Justice yeah.
3: League or something. Have, have her show up on Legends of Tomorrow and be yet another Doctor Who companion that shows up on that show.
5: Squirrel girl, squirrel girl, squirrel girl.
3: <laughs> I'm up for starting a petition right now with you, Emma, on that one. I I am there. I'm there with you. <clears throat>
5: they not put anything on telly now wouldn't they I wouldn't you know what I'll I'll put my marker down now two years from now Squirrel Girl on Netflix
3: (laughs) oh no Squirrel Girl is Marvel we can't do it
5: shit oh shit shit Um, oh god damn it crap
2: uh god God, this Amelia Clark Jenna Coleman film sounds painfully awful (laughs) a girl in a small town forms an unlikely bond with a recently paralysed man she's taking care of
1: (laughs) <laughs> can, you, can, you, can you say Oscar bait anyone? Mm-hmm. No, no, not, <laughs> no!
2: Shit film, just a bad idea. Well, they're boring. probably gonna give one
5: to Eddie Redmayne for wearing a dress.
2: <laughs> it's not just one address though.
5: I oh, know, I'm only joking. They did his hair? <laughs> Look, he
2: did his makeup as well. Yeah. No, that's that, he, he's proper. This looks boring. He's got Charles Dance in it, and do you know what? It's not a Mark. These aren't people who are a mark of a big name film. You know, it's not. Working, I, don't know. I worry about Karen Gillan though. I, I really do because I feel like since she left, it's not gone well for her.
1: She's done all right.
5: It's all right. That Oculus did well, and she was all right in Guardians of the Galaxy
2: too. Yeah, but do you know what? Guardians of the Galaxy could have been anyone. Yeah. True.
3: Mm. With, with the way they wrote that character yes, it could have been anyone here's hoping that they bring her back for the second one and flesh her out a little bit more if not second Guardians, then another Marvel film because they really underserved her and the character in that movie
1: Karen Gill is not struggling, if she's on a TV show she'll be doing the talk show circuit promoting it still, like talk shows will want to have her on um, Yeah. except for, except
3: for if, that one American show that she did that John Show Bam selfie. So yeah, yeah, got
1: cancelled. cancelled after a season. Um yeah, um, but I mean like her career's not in that I, I don't know anyone who saw her for Karen Gillen right now. I think that's what I'm getting at.
2: Oh yeah. Oh she's in a film with Tom Hanks coming up. And Bill Paxton. Oh. Bill,
5: Bill, Bill, Bill Paxton, oh, yeah. Paxton, Paxton.
2: <laughs> And another one? Oh no, she's busy. She's busy. Yeah, okay, no,
1: she's fine, she's fine. She's do do know, right. just yeah, not just yeah. not
2: doing big stuff. The next film she's doing is with John Travolta. That's not good. I wouldn't do a film with John Travolta.
5: No, he'd probably try and touch you up. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> or
4: just
2: mispronounce your name horribly. <clears throat> yeah, there's just I I, I don't know. I, I really wouldn't do a film with John Travolta. It's like what if someone sees? I I couldn't I couldn't do it. <laughs> Do you want hey, to talk about Doctor Who, anyway? Yeah,
0: yeah, let's, let's move on. So, we may as well get into the main man himself, Peter Capaldi's the Doctor. Um, I have to say, although I really liked like, his more sort of, fun-loving side, I kind of wish they'd sort of... It seems like they've gone the other way with them from, like, Series 8, whereas it, it was, like, darker, a lot more abrasive. And this one's, like, the more, like, fun-loving Doctor, you know, shows up on riding a tank, you know, shredding a guitar... <laughs> Oh, um, I like it. Oh, yeah, no, no, I like that, it. I'm not that, that, saying I'd, I'm not saying I hated it. I thought it was great. I just sort of when you sort of look back at it, 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 it it's sort of like it's like it seems like the kind of slightly overcompensating
1: to me. Because I think they partly misjudged it first time around. Hmm. I think it was too abrasive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was, yeah. I, yeah, I yeah, mean, obviously, 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 the do- I mean Capaldi himself has spoken about it. Of, he's just impatient with humanity because he's mentally so much sharper and quicker. Mm-hmm. And, and it's almost like he looks at humanity like a babysitter with children, with children. They're just not as, they're obviously not as smart <laughs> as him. And it can be, it can be frustrating. Um, almost waiting for them to catch up. Hence stuff like the cards. Mm-hmm. It's almost bring himself back down <laughs> to their level. Um, but it, at times, particularly in the first few episodes, um, I mean, he wasn't, just a brace him, he was a dick at times. Yeah. And he was very, he was, he was Sherlock Holmes. He was Cumberbatch's Sherlock Holmes. Well, Doctor Who ultimately is a hero for children. And always has been in all its incarnations, even when they get it wrong. Mm. Nominate, you know, ostensibly is a hero for children. And that was not initially a hero for children. It seems that, and I don't know how much input Capaldi's had, but it seems that he's found. I think I can, I've well, seen what this Doctor's going to be like now.
5: I think it's I think it's telling that Peter Capaldi has had to move house in real life because the school that was near him found out where he lived and he could mm-hmm. not. They were knocking on his door constantly.
1: Well, I mean, what like, <laughs> that impressed me is you know they moved. Some of you must have seen this already, but they've moved the experienced doctor experienced to Cardiff. Yeah. And they've redone it for his doctor, the adventure, mm-hmm. and it, you can see it online. But there's there was one where a load of kids were there and Capaldi showed up. Yeah. yeah. And he did it, but he did the whole thing in character and he spoke with the kids afterwards, took questions, but took the questions in character. Um, so this Doctor, I think, is still capable of appealing to children to piggyback Emma's point about having to move house because <laughs> <laughs> kids wouldn't leave him alone. Um, that's kind of... I mean, I don't... Not to be... That's not a bad thing. I obviously sympathise, but that's kind of part of the gig if you're going to be... Yeah, that's, that's
5: the deal. But it's I mean, hard. I think
1: that... didn't want no part of it because... Yeah. I, I mean, you, but yeah. I
5: think that the, the point is that... You know, I think a lot of people were quite concerned about having someone who was significantly older and would the kids buy it. And then, you know, we've kind of got through this this like abrasive doctor thing and we've softened him up a bit. And but they they've still sort of maintained a little bit of edge to him and they've sort of let Capaldi, I think they've let Capaldi sort of run with it a little bit mm-hmm. and sort of put his own stamp on it a little bit. And I think it's I think they found a happy medium now. I mean the fact that they felt I mean, something that's sort of stood out to me this year is they've sort of been happy to play with the format a little bit and the fact that they sort of felt they were able to give him a solo episode mm. and for him to smash it, I thought it was, you know, it was... It just sort of speaks to their, their confidence in him and the how he's sort of more comfortable with what he's doing now, I think.
1: Yeah, it, it feels like his Doctor. It didn't, it didn't for most of the last series... He was good enough for actors to keep it watchable. But this series um, felt like his Doctor. And even just little things, his hair was a bit bigger and a little bit wild out at the sides. Mm-hmm. The sunglasses, the electric guitar, <laughs> even though I think it really overdid it with the electric guitar because the Doctor, and one of the things I like what Moffat did with Smith, the Doctor shouldn't really be cool. And normally if you can play the electric guitar, like your Prince or Jimi Hendrix. That's almost a sign of someone who's cool. Anyone who you you know, you're cool if you can play the electric guitar really well. And I, I think they slightly overdid it a bit. It makes sense that the doctor could would learn to play the guitar because he's been around so long. At some point, lots of little skills you think he'd picked up.
2: But, I assumed it was actually Peter Capaldi who could just play guitar and it's like a good idea. He, of he could
1: He used to be in a band yeah, years ago. Yeah, Craig he, Ferguson. Did. Yeah, with and, Chris Vegas.
5: My, my dad noted he got a better guitar later in the series as well.
1: So. <laughs> oh, well he travels through time, I'm sure he yes. picked up from. He probably picked up a spare one from like an old Who gig from the seventies. Yeah, yeah. um, so <laughs> put it back together again. Would, yeah.
2: would, he be, would he be a fan of the Who? Ah, uh, <laughs>
0: we're getting into sort of a strange <laughs> recursion now. I think, um, or is I, it like no, I'm the Who. No, we're the Who. No, <laughs>
2: no
4: I am. <laughs>
3: Okay. Just the mere asking of that question brought my mind to a screeching halt. <laughs> Sorry. You could probably get a whole episode out of
1: that, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, I think they overdo the electric guitar. I think we can dial that back. And the su- I want to know what's going on with those sunglasses because Moffitt gave a very uh, perfunctioning reason online, which I'm sure is total bullshit. Because he's back to the screwdriver, so it was like, and a new one. Was this meant to be just a transitionary sonic device until we can get a new screwdriver in? Because the glasses seem odd.
2: I think it was an idea that didn't work.
1: Maybe, maybe. Because another thing of, the Doctor's not meant to be cool, and you can say sunglasses are almost so cliched cool that they're actually uncool now, but why would the Doctor wear sunglasses? Um, yeah, well, I'm
2: just sat here smug that. I can see from where I am both an electric guitar and sunglasses. I'm thinking, I am so fucking cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that's why you probably pretty a good doctor. <laughs> yeah. Because you think that. Just the same yeah. way that Matt Smith thinks bow ties are cool.
2: Well, I, I like that. That was always good because of the personal confidence that came along with it. So mm-hmm. I think I'm cool. Shut up.
1: Oh, yeah. No, no, had, you know, Yeah, I'm was. Part. It, it doesn't work it, otherwise. You have to think it's cool, otherwise it doesn't work.
2: Yeah, and, and that then makes it cool, which is the odd bit of it. I yeah. don't know. I don't, I don't think Matt Smith was technically any less cool than Peter Capaldi, although I see what you're saying, that Peter Capaldi's coolness factor has been pushed significantly. Uh, but I, d- I do like the electric guitar and all that. I think this he has made it his own.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, possibly that possibly might have been his suggestion, and they said, "All right, well, we'll put it in the series, and we'll see how it goes." Yeah, um,
2: and you know, he's he's become my favourite Doctor in this last series. He really has. Um, not that any of the others were bad in any way. I just really, really have enjoyed what they did with this season. Uh, they made it really good. And he's a Peter Capaldi, is such an excellent actor and can mm. do such a range of things. Um you well, know,
5: hev- say Heaven Sent is mm. the example, the second the Penultima episode, his solo run, yeah. which is just astonishing, forty five minutes of him.
1: Yeah, I actually really disliked it at first and then really liked it on the second watch. But I, was- I I'd been to the cinema to see Hunger Games, got back really late watched it at 1am and was almost dozing off, and I think that's why it didn't grab me. And then I watched it again a second time.
2: But surely after seeing The Hunger Games, anything is grabbing
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <is awesome>.
1: yeah. <laughs> I actually like movies 2 and 4 quite good. Um,
3: it, it was I... during the, the full run of um, uh, uh, was it? Heaven Sent, um, mm-hmm. that solo episode, that is when Capaldi was able to frighten me with his anger and intensity that's when he got to play angry was in that episode and um uh, at the the closing scenes of face the raven those are the angry bits and those were the scenes that i had been waiting since before his uh, series eight premiered because just from what little i knew of him as an actor um what little i had looked up and seen before he debuted as doctor who knowing that they had cast him i said when this doctor decides to get angry it's going to be powerful, powerful television. And at the end of Face the Raven and throughout Heaven Sent, that's where it finally happened. Um, Throughout Series 9, he also made me laugh more than he did in Series 8. And uh, also, he uh, brought the emotion and brought tears to my eyes a lot more than he did in Season 8. That would be specifically um, the Zygon inversion. His, uh, His speech to uh, Kate Stewart and Bonnie at the end. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, yeah. that was that was that, a great that sp- was the, the, the most emotional, the most uh, uh, heartfelt, tear jerking moment was that brief that brief little window when you get to see how uh, how heavy the time war still weighs on him. Which mm-hmm. they usually they they don't spend so much time showing you how much the time war damaged him as they did in Eccleston's season and a little bit here and there with Tennant and Smith, they've really gotten away from, uh, the trauma that the war, uh, inflicted on him. But in that episode, in that speech, they've reminded us it's always still there. Hang on yeah, though. Didn't
2: it, didn't it not happen?
0: No, it did happen. It just, uh, it just ended in a different way that
1: he... he didn't kill them all. He didn't kill them all. No, no, no. Yeah. yeah.
0: Because, um, I think if you remember from the day, of the doctor, uh I think it's the war doctor says I won't be I won't remember any of this, will I? So as far as he concerned, once he regenerates into the ninth doctor, Gallifrey is gone, the darks have been wiped out, so he assumes that when he used the moment that he killed a lot of them.
2: Did he find them again? I d by the way, I don't get any of it. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> the whole time and I have been back and watched it again and other things and it's like well why won't he remember it? I don't I don't get it and but he found Gallifrey again, didn't he? That and was you... like the, the penultimate episode that, you yes, know that... in the last episode.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: Because he was is... in
2: the he was in the little box for four billion years or something.
3: Hmm. And well, the I...
2: little box was always on Gallifrey. Or oh, I, I don't expl- don't get it. No idea.
3: Did they explain to us how Gallifrey returned at the end of this series? No. No. I think it was. Clara
1: asks. Clara Clara asks, and the the doctor gives a. uh, I think they must have found a way. (laughs) That was the long and short of his answer. Yeah,
0: I think he said. I didn't ask,
1: it would have made them sound clever. Mm -mm. As in, I haven't figured it out yet. Or, I have figured it out, but. When I say I, I mean the writers. I haven't figured it out yet, or I have, but we'll tell you later. See, that's
2: That's like when, when. When they were bringing Worf back into the later Star Trek films and needed to find an excuse for him to be there. Yeah. By the third time, just fucked it off. Mr. Worf, what are you doing here? I'll just have to (laughs) shot, Captain. While the camera pans across. But we'll acknowledge that you asked the question, but completely gloss over the answer. Thank you.
3: Right. Uh, they, they, They literally just kind of ignored and, and lost interest and looked away at right er, yeah picard goes to him and says, mr wharf what the hell are you doing here he says the defiant was and then he just yeah, fades it away as the camera goes someone away else, doesn't it yeah i want know no, it gonna bother first the you know, ultimate if, we don't care enough to figure it out movement right there
2: it really is and it's as if they're going look did you should we not bring Worf back there of course we should bring Worf back so let it go <laughs> Who cares why he's there? You'd go mental if he wasn't. Shut up. But, you know, regardless of that, I've still enjoyed Doctor Who. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, well, something like that is when the writer writes himself in a corner and it's like, you have to have this episode submitted in a week because they need to get it filmed and everything. So you put that thing, you basically put that line in. So it's like, I have to give me some like, six months to figure out how Gallifrey came back.
2: I yeah, I imagine season ten will come along and there'll be an episode that maybe explains it somewhat or some you know, there are so many plot points in Doctor Who. I have I remember them starting and I have no memory of resolutions to things whatsoever. None at all.
3: That's probably because most of them didn't resolve. <laughs> <Is> <laughs> they, that they just really kinda of the drift case? away.
2: I feel cause I feel like I've missed stuff and yet I've seen every episode more than once.
1: But I've what not one of the advantages when you're dealing with a show that goes in time you can always go back if you want so the time will got resolved five how many years after Davis introduced it because
2: yeah, had, yeah that's true had, five, always do
1: that. so you can you can write and you can pose a question and answer it for a decade and it Plus, can make narrative sense but only in a show like Doctor Who
2: yeah I also think the Doctor's a character that's okay with not having to know everything Like you know, you can get how. But what about that? It doesn't matter.
1: We're done. (laughs) You know,
2: we're going somewhere else now. That little detail doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll figure it out in another adventure. Because there'll there'll always be there'll always be another adventure. Exactly. So you don't. It it kind of in in a respect in the writer's defense, it sometimes pays just to leave something in the back pocket and not to completely use everything, throw everything at the wall. Just keep a thing or two back because you never know when you might need it. Um for a future episode for, that's
2: very true and I reason. I'd like to think they do it on purpose so I'm going to go along with that I'll assume they
1: do <laughs> yeah I mean I will a couple other things about Capaldi because obviously Mike said that he's been softened this last series which is true but I think at the start of what was the finale again
0: yeah uh, Hellbent
1: Hellbent the start of Hellbent we barely says a word for like 15 minutes yeah and the whole get off my planet. We hear a lot, particularly when the shows come back, about the doctor is fire and rage. You don't want to see the doctor when he's angry, and the oncoming storm, this, and the guy that killed the butcher, the Time Lords, that, and the yeah. Dalek's greatest enemy, and you know, all this. The doctor, you know, um, basically run and all that shit. Mm-hmm. You don't often, because it's a show for families, pre watershed, <laughs> and children, you don't really see that much. Yeah. This was a rare example, those first. 10 15 minutes where you saw like the oncoming storm, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where Definitely. it was just get off my planet, mm-hmm. and I know you're going to get off my planet, you're gonna do it now, or I can make you in five minutes' time. But you're getting off my planet, um, and the doc, you know, I, I, I kind of came to kick ass true bubblegum kind of, um, <laughs> uh, kind of approach, and it helps me have a doctor like Capaldi, like as opposite episode, like Heaven Sent,
4: mm-hmm.
1: Matt Smith could have done that. And even an actor as good as David Tennant couldn't have done that. And maybe Eccleston. Yeah, maybe Eccleston. Matt Smith could not and I Matt Smith's my favourite post um reboot Doctor, but he couldn't have done Heaven Sent. You could yeah. not give it that episode. You could you only know what? Make that work with Capaldi.
2: I'd hesitate saying that there's anything uh David Tennant couldn't do. He's he can do pretty much
1: everything, you know. He's a very you know? good actor. He's a tremendous, and he's got a lot of range, a lot more range. I, he gets I've really
2: never seen him be bad, but then I didn't watch Nativity 2. <coughs> so, mm. you know, the potential is there. Or oh, that other one, Centurions 2, he was in that as well,
1: wasn't he? Oh, he's, he's, yeah. he's been in some shit, particularly pre-Doctor Who. I'm, I mean, I'm not,
2: don't, no, I don't wish to sound like I'm knocking him, to be honest. you working
1: in a not, day. Yeah, it's, yeah. He's got exactly. a lot of kids to pay for.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So no, go go, David Ten. My mum and dad have seen him in Shakespeare many times and
1: so amazing. I've seen him in Shakespeare. Yes, yeah. that's, that's his background.
2: Yeah, they go they go all the time. They're Shakespeare y people now, my mum and dad. It's weird. And they're it was like and you know in this when this happened like no mum <laughs> <laughs> No
0: I don't. Uh, was dear. that one of the inverse tachyon pulls? Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs>
2: Did Caesar have to regroup the EPS conduits? And, and <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. So,
1: yeah. Um, um. I don't know. I mean, this can wait because there there is something I do want to say about the Zygon two-parter. But if there's something else people need to say, particularly about current topic at hand, I can. I can no, keep. Go it. Go for it. Dry. Go Go um, for it. Because I know this ep- I mean, I know this episode was generally well received, particularly when people think about this. if think at a speech. Which is a very good speech, well delivered. Again, not something I'd have felt comfortable giving to Smith or Tennant in terms of the way he played that doctor.
4: Hmm.
1: Or even Eccleston. I think that's, I think, yeah, that's a Capaldi-only speech that would work. But I, particularly the first one, I had a lot of problems with this episode. um, Because you're taking um, a fictional creation called the Zygons, you're... Stitching it onto a story that's already in play. This comes back to what we're saying about stories resolving each other, you know, further down the line, Mm -hmm. which was very good. Um, You're taking the issue of Zygons being able to disguise themselves as humans and being almost like sleeper agents or potential sleeper agents. Mm -hmm. And then you take a real life serious issue and use that as a direct allegory without addressing it properly because anyone watching particularly the first one invasions first invasion second isn't it yeah yeah yes you're watching invasion first and you're like oh so you're just basically doing a massive metaphor for islam um and this kind of happened what like 2 weeks after beirut and paris which you couldn't have planned for of course mm-hmm. um it wasn't because of that it was ju- that was just that was just uh, timing something that happens but you're still t- you're tackling the issue you're clearly tackling the issue cuz in that that first episode in the script they use words like secretive radicalization mm-hmm. training camp mm-hmm. so there's nothing subtle about it oh, so no. i'm this thinking well this is bold um so you're you're basically going to do an al- um allegory for uh muslims and and the western uh, t- terrorists who try and leverage, you know, Islam for the reasons for just killing, for killing innocent people. R- right, fine. So, okay, well, well, let's look at this then. If you were really going to look at, and Moffat's never done that. Moffat doesn't do political allegory in his episodes. Davis did a little bit mm-hmm. at times. This is the kind of episode you might see in the Davis era, not in the Moffat era, so I thought, well, this is a departure. But then they basically just kind of, they showed a bit of it and didn't go the whole way. So they didn't, if you're going to like have basically Zygons and Muslims now, Mm -hmm. fine. All right, fine. Bit, not, not too subtle, bit on the nose, but okay, fine. We'll run with it. But then you have to kind of go the whole way and they didn't. So they didn't, if you're going to do that, you then have to show Zygons um, being treated as like second class citizens rather than just potential threats um, to public safety. Um, they show that a lot of the Zygons are just murderous and want to expunge humani- humanity and it's like, so what are you trying to say about, um, what you trying to say about Muslims then? Yeah. And I re- I was, particularly because it's <clears throat> not, as far as I'm aware, Peter Harness uh, isn't Muslim and not to speak on behalf of Muslims, I'm wondering if you are a Muslim fan and sitting down watching the show and then you watch this. Um I don't know how, uh, how well you'd be disposed towards the show after after watching that. Um, and then we get to the Zygon in, inversion and it dialed back a lot on the uh, Islam allegory and it reminded me actually more of Israel and Palestine. Um, and then we get to the speech and essentially it was give peace a chance, war is bad. The end. Um, and what? And that... That irritated me because if you're going to... You don't have to take on this issue. No one is expecting Doctor Who to take on issues like this. But if you are going to do it, you do it properly. Mm. Um, you, It's like you started a really complex and heavy-weighted topic and then things got complicated in your, in your narrative and you just backed out and just mm. said, yes, it was bad, everyone stop it. Without any kind of um, context... Or like when they kept to like truth or consequences, mm-hmm. I, I thought, oh, that's good. So we're gonna get. I thought, oh, they, we're gonna get like a backstory that we didn't know about. You know, Moffat loves to um, fill in bits of Doctor Who's past that some people some people hate when he does that. I thought, oh, we're gonna get some like backstory with the Zygons and mm-hmm. how maybe the Zygons were treated like shit by one branch of humanity years ago and. These branches, of Zygons now want revenge, and they want to kill kill all humans. I thought, okay, this is where we're going. There's going to be some kind of truth that gets revealed. That's going to be the big the big reveal at the end, which we never got. Um, and it, I, I just thought it's very irresponsible if you're going to take on an issue like this, then you have to do it properly. You have to do what. Has every has anyone seen Argo, the Ben Affleck movie that won Oscars?
2: No. No.
5: No. see oh, okay. you, the first
1: see <laughs> the first 3 minutes of it actually on the start of it online cuz it's about the Iranian hostage crisis um mm-hmm. Americans in the embassy were held hostage and under threat for their lives and they need to Ben Affleck to get in there and get them out. Now what they do before you start the story is that they sh- they do this basically history lesson in 3 minutes and they do it animated. And they explain why Iran is in the state it was, and almost it helps explain why Iran is the state it is now, and it explains the history of the country and explains america 's role in and britain 's role in fucking the country up and leaving it a mess, and why some people um, some people from that part of the world really hate the west so it 's not just evil people who want to kill killed our civilized westerners it 's I don't condone your behaviour, but I can understand now because Ben Affleck just showed me the history of why they're acting like this, um, and it and it just underpins everything from then on. So then you get the movie, but because you've had that bit at the beginning, it it helps you explain why the events in the movie happen. Yeah, I thought we wouldn't get something like this in this initially because you're taking a real life topic, a very serious real life topic, a topic. An issue and where people on a regular basis are dying, lots of innocent people are dying on all sides, and then your resolution is lay down your arms, which is it was give peace a chance rather than no justice, no peace, and that I just felt was in amongst the good things in it, and the second one inversion was definitely better than invasion inversion dialed it down um but i f- I thought it was incredibly irresponsible. Um, particularly because you are... you are A lot of young children are watching this um, who don't understand this kind of stuff. And this is how they're going to find out about this kind of shit. Um, Because don't tell me parents are watching this and thinking... Either having their... um, Maybe their views challenged or their views reinforced. But it wasn't done with enough... I mean, if you're going to take this on, you need to do it with a lot of skill. You need to do it with Mm -hmm. a lot of skill and a lot of care. And it wasn't done with much skill or care at all. As an adventure as a Doctor Who adventure was great but if you are going to take on a real life issue then that you do it properly or you just don't do it at all you just have an adventure with the Zygons you could have had the same 85% of that the same and just not made it such an obvious allegory for Muslims mm. and that really really annoyed me That that's why it's probably my least favourite Episodes, despite all the good things and the great speech and Ingrid Oliver. I mean, if she's not a recurring character, then I just don't know what we're doing anymore. She doesn't <laughs> need to be a she does not to be a companion, even though I would be happy to see her as a companion. But even if she just shows up once every couple of series for as long as she wants to do it, um, it's just a no brainer mm-hmm. to do that because she's so perfect for that character. She does such a great job. Um, but and it was and it, the thing was that that tactic of taking on politics in this way so unlike everything the show's done under Moffat it was weird, it's never done it before, it hasn't done it since so I don't know what they were thinking, maybe it was maybe Peter Harness's idea more than Moffat's and he tried to make the best of it but it was yeah, it was an unbalanced mess for a lot of it.
2: The trouble I think they got into is the fact that you're doing an allegory with when you do it in science fiction you can do it by either fitting the allegory into the universe that exists already, which is what they did. They, they took yeah. the Zygons and they did that. And the, there's a lot of difference between Muslims and Zygons. Exactly. Um, be, be, besides the obvious. I mean, there aren't many secret Muslims. You know, that, that's not a thing. The, the point with the Zygons is that until they turn into the big pink sucker monster, they look like human so yeah, no one knows they're there.
1: That was um, something that annoyed me as well, because there was a bit of, in the first episode, of almost these Zygons are secretly murderous and violent, even if they seem decent, but they're just hiding it. But deep down, they're all really violent, and they can all switch and be activated, almost like a Manchurian candidate at any moment. Yeah,
2: yeah, and I'm I'm not sure Muslims are like that, really. In fact, I, I have it on good authority they're not like that, so... Uh, it's, but they kind of put themselves in the corner with it. I mean, mm-hmm. the other way you do it is you have the doctor travel to a place where exactly the same situation is playing out, but on this other planet. Mm. You know, they did that. That's a common thing to do on Star Trek. We're visiting this planet in which a similar situation to the Northern Ireland problem is taking place.
1: Yeah. Well, that's that was right. <laughs> My yes. understanding is that was a key plank of Star Trek as well, wasn't it? It was. Like, any plays.
2: Yeah, it and it, it's a good way to do it um, because then it is totally removed, although it's not. Whereas they didn't like, oh, there's trouble in Northern Ireland again, and send the Enterprise back there, which is <laughs> what Doctor Who is kind of did there. Um, and so <laughs> it's it's they just went about it the wrong way. If what they were trying to do was a, a Terrorism allegory. Yeah, I mean, if that you're going
1: sort of to do it, then fine, but you have to be very delicate and make sure you get it right because there's a lot of real life shit at stake. Um, yeah. Because how many people are watching the show worldwide, not just in Britain? Mm.
2: Um, and and the, the motivation of the characters is different I mean like you, you mentioned about showing the Zygons just being discriminated against like people who are Muslims might experience well again it's that corner because we don't know they're Zygons you can't show them being discriminated against until they're Zygons and in their story they decided when they're Zygons then they just want to kill everybody Yeah, and it, it, it's just so you can't do it and yet you've created this thing that does just want to kill everybody they yeah. didn't even have a motivation really
1: yeah i will um, give them i will give them credit just on, on the second episode when they're chasing the zygon that's been changed against its will and mm. i think the doctor says i'm on your side and zygon's like i'm not on anyone's side i just want to live yeah um if they'd have if the episode had been even with that message then that would have been fine um but they gave that one scene in like two minutes
0: yeah yeah, I did actually want to mention that uh, that one's Zygon dude, um, because it, yeah, um, and one thing I always thought was odd, like it was, like you were saying, you know, the Zygons um, are like you go and see them being discriminated against, but when he's like talking to those like kids, or, like who are just like sitting down, mind their own business, and he's saying, "Help me, help me," and he's like half transformed, they don't react at all, they don't like
1: yeah. I never understood that. I thought. uh, Do you know what I thought that was? Not even in a helping way, or yeah,
0: or or even like trying to attack him or something. I don't know. I because one what I thought happened, but it it never sort like got explained in the show. Is I thought that those guys were actually with Bonnie. Oh, do you know what I mean? Because she was filming it. She was filming it, wasn't she?
1: Yeah, I mean that would make sense. If you like were, if she was rest like, rest
0: trying to set, day. she was trying to like kick something off.
1: Mm. But yes, yeah, she, yeah, she's deliberately trying to spark. Like, Yes, kind of, trying
0: to stir it. Well, but even then, if she was trying to stir it, you'd think she'd have those people who were like standing there watching this half-transformed look, like attack him or something, and then so, like on. They like, go, there you go. Humanity, are bastards! Mm. Truth of consequences, rah rah. Let's kill them all. But it—it's sort, that sort of was like a stumbling block, and that's never sort of really left my head because it was just sort of like, uh, okay.
1: Yeah, because cause I watched this episode twice to mm-hmm. to try and get not recently, but to get a clear idea of you know my own thoughts through it. And that thing you just raised, yeah, they should have let you co-write this episode, Mike, because that would <laughs> have made a lot more sense.
0: Yeah, well, that was just sort of like by the little headcanon but unless it's sort of like said. You know, if this like a line, unless there's a line of dialogue, even it's
1: just like a one line of dialogue, nothing. there was nothing, nothing in that. It might yeah. have been a deleted scene, maybe that didn't make make the final cut. Yeah, possibly. But yeah, that's what I was thinking when I watched the two episodes, and it's a, and it is a pity because it just soils what would have been otherwise a great. If you just take out the real life allegory and you just have mm. it as the Zygons turning and invading, and you stop using words like radicalization, and we don't know which is which. And any of them could be any of them could be um, against us. Then, then you've got a really good two-parter, and um, with a very good speech, like mm-hmm. a e to round it off.
3: It, it's I moments can... like this where I realize I I do oh. have a bit of an advantage by being as lazy as I am, <laughs> because in any show that I watch, be it Doctor Who or uh, Star Trek or a- any series that I'm that I'm putting in front of me, I never. Find myself thinking that deeply, or that, or that hard about the story. As I was watching the Zygon two-parter, connections to 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 the modern world, none of them happened. My brain just did not make those connections. If I sit down to watch, especially science fiction, if I watch sci-fi, I'm putting myself entirely in the fictional world that they are creating.
5: That's really surprising. And I,
3: I, I don't look anywhere outside of it, so I I do the same thing. That's so surprising
5: thing. because well, because mm. a lot of sci-fi is explicitly set up as allegory.
1: Mm. I mean, this yeah. one was, I mean, you have to understand that this, this episode was very soon after Beirut and Paris.
5: Well, not uh, just that. Beirut so obviously, it's in, ISIS, the, in
1: the news anyway. I like
5: took responsibility for blowing a plane out of the sky the day it went out. Mm-hmm. Mm. We talked about that on our review show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
1: that's kind of why
0: we we actually pushed it back it was supposed to be coming out like the weekend when the Paris attacks happens and we yeah, just we pushed thought it back. yeah we just thought oh no
5: well I mean you know I, I would say I mean it's it, I don't really have much more to say about it because I think you got it Shane's covered it beautifully I mean but mm. I remember be, feeling incredibly awkward about talking about it yeah. when we reviewed it because um I just like you like you like you sort of articulate you beautifully I have I wasn't able to say at the time because I just couldn't I couldn't work out how to say it, you know, without possibly upsetting everyone
4: because,
5: mm. I you know, it was so it just it felt insanely awkward.
0: Well, it's so on the nose. Yeah, but like when we said like radicalization, training camps, all that sort of stuff. Even if they just if they just toned that down a bit, or like sort of backed off on it, mm. rather than going on great guns. I mean, I say uh, like. Like I say, Shane, like, don't like do it properly or don't do it at all. Yeah, I don't have a problem if they're sort of like alluding to it, but when they're like, like I say, they're using terms like radicalization, training camps, and all that sort of stuff. That's getting a little like, too on the nose. Without like, like I say, go go all the way, or just like just back it off a little bit.
1: Like, yeah, just just have it a thing about Zygons. Continue the plot line from Day of the Doctor. Have yeah. it about this two or three Zygons changing. Um, Trying to, you know, Zygon invasion of Earth. I mean, that's not that's not really outside of Doctor Who's wheelhouse at all. That's yeah. fine, but yeah, just don't use the real life, the real, um, real life events to undergird your story, because then you just have a Zygon story, and a, mm-hmm. what otherwise would have been a very good Zygon story. I mean, they it didn't they didn't film it there, but they even um, started the episode with the two girls, the Zygon girls who mm-hmm. look like humans, in Brockwell Park, which is like fifteen minute bus ride from where I live. Um even though I saw it immediately it was like that in Brockwell Park.
5: <laughs> oh it's like when, when a few years ago when they went to Bexley, I grew up in Bexley that ain't Bexley.
1: <laughs> um so yeah, it, it's it was and it was just an odd choice as well. Not even a, just a bad choice, but an odd one because it's not as if this has been the nature of the writing. Um it, had it happened under Davis I'd have been less surprised but Watching this, it was this is unlike anything uh, um, that's happened under its tenure. Um, so it was it was a very weird one. And it was just a well-meaning. It was it was definitely well-meaning, mm. but it was def- it was a misstep, and it was it was such an avoidable misstep as well. Yeah, uh, pushing, it, was, it wasn't like we were trying something. Like Heaven Sent, for example. Yes, Heaven Sent. They were trying. You know, they rolled the dice on that, and we're going to try this and see if it works. It, it's either going to be great or absolutely shit. It was mm-hmm. only going to be one or the other, yeah. um, but the Zygon two-part wasn't a case of us trying something. This was a conscious: we're going to do a political statement in our work. And if you want to do that, I'm all for that. But you have to do a good job of it then, because you have. You're depend. If you're basically going to leverage politics in your art and your stories, then it has real life political ramifications. So you, there is more. There's more at stake and there's more to gain if you get it right, but also more to lose if you get it wrong. Um, and yeah, and this is, this is happened around a time when I've got friends of mine who, some are Muslims, some aren't, but they're all mm-hmm. South Asian and who are getting abused out on the street. Yeah. Just going to the shops and shit. And then I, and I watch us on that and I'm just like, why, why are you doing this? Um, and it was, it was unnecessary, just unnecessary misstep. Um, yeah, that was, and I thought this at the time watching the episode. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was kind of what I wanted to say about it. Was, was there um, much in the way of, like,
0: complaints about...
1: See, this is what part. I was about
5: to say, yeah. because no, I, I saw I nothing it's, about this. Not you what know, I noticed, but I was but trying even, to,
1: deliberately avoiding trying to find out, to be honest, yeah. Well, I mean,
5: because, I, I mean, you you sort of encounter a lot of the press, and I thought, well, this is, you know, this is meat and potatoes to some of the mm-hmm. the yeah, tabloids I'm, in this country. And, you know, you you would, I was sort of waiting for some hot takes you yeah. know, to to nick a sporting um, journalism analogy, but um, there wasn't anything at all, nothing.
1: Not that I saw. I'm sure if you looked, you'd find it, but, um, yeah, there wasn't. Mercifully, it was one of those things where almost um, Basil 40, um, I mentioned it once, but I think I got away with it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so um, it's
1: just like, yeah, don't do it again. Yeah. Um,
0: actually, that's uh, one thing I wanted to bring up during this episode is, um, obviously, we've had a lot of two-parters in this uh, series. Obviously, uh, uh, face Raven, Heaven said in Hellbent, turned out to be a three-parter in the end. But uh, how did everybody feel about uh, this, this run and its tendency of longer Loved stories? It. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I think it worked out quite well.
2: It gives you room to breathe with the story, you know. It makes them all technically a bit feature length, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's good. It's how it used to be, and yeah. I kind of missed it when it came back and it was all single episodes. No, yeah. I it's I didn't they am I right in thinking they all used to be kind of four or five episodes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um yeah, like that face
1: of evils and I play it right now. The four yeah,
2: that. that's that's how I remember watching Doctor Who as a kid. So I'm I'm totally on board with it. I really am. And like you say, the the last, I think, three or four episodes are a, a single story, really. Um, the Wikipedia page is showing them all as separate story blocks, but I don't I don't think they were. I think from Face the Raven onwards,
3: it, it's one no, the story. Final three were, the final three were a story and all the rest were two episode stories, except that doing it that way that leaves one episode uh, as an odd number out and that would be um, Sleep No More. Uh, Sleep No More, yeah, bleh. yeah. I was not impressed. <laughs> so I, if you take that one out and just leave the rest as two-part stories, except for the end where it's a three-part story, I, I much preferred it this way to, uh, uh, to the previous seasons. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah,
1: um, I think this is just uh, so much of the work of Sherlock has bled into Doctor Who, and I think this is partly a result of Moffat, Um, getting the chance to write 90 minutes for Sherlock and then, because I think it's been a general thing with the show of wanting more time to write more stuff and it like Rich says, it gives you more time to breathe more time to develop Um, my take on it is as long as a story is worth 90 minutes then fine Uh, some of them I didn't think were Um, but I don't, like my issue wasn't so much oh, if If you know, it was a two-parter. It's like it wouldn't have been fine if it would have been two one-parters either. Um, But generally, yeah, generally I didn't mind. I mean, I'm interested to see what the ratings drop-offs were, if any, because that's always a concern, isn't it, from a writing perspective when you do two-parters? Are the fans sticking to watch the next bit?
2: You can see the on the Wikipedia page for Doctor Who Series Nine, they've got a a list of. What is it it's a line graph showing critical reception by episode mm-hmm. um and people seem to like the two parters. it
5: just gives yeah. them like I was saying it just gives them more time it gives them you know you're able to to really get dig into stories that i th- and dig into things that you know would have otherwise been sort of skimmed over and I think the it's it's it was a it was an advantage to them to do it this way and um, I wonder if they might continue with it I mean and if they did I wouldn't be very upset with it I think it would be fine
1: an extra advantage as well with that is that it means if you're in a place where there's lots of other characters and you want to introduce five six or maybe even not as many five or six but three or four new characters into this contained story it's easier to do that in two episodes in one Mm. Mm. so someone like um, I mean not Shilder obviously we see her quite a bit uh, but the um, girl with two faces and face a raven mm. for example I mean she's actually only in one episode but you have um, all the um, under the before the flood under the lake mm-hmm. with that crew you know that, yeah. like, alien it's a lot easier to introduce them bit by bit um, over a course of two episodes then imagine if you only met, met those characters after one episode, would they have had as much resonance? Assuming they had any resonance, that's a personal opinion, of course.
0: Yeah, probably not. But I think I think there's, if what we were saying about ratings, I think the only sort of real reason that any ratings might have dropped off was um, due to, I think, because Doctor Who is getting scheduled later and later as time goes on. And I think it's just because, you know, BBC don't want to bump strictly from its time slot. And also, I think, like, the Rugby World Cup was on as well, so... Yeah. I I think this... I I think people put too much sort of, like, stock in ratings these days because, obviously, a lot of people aren't watching on, like, transmission... You know, they're watching on catch-up. They're watching, Uh. you know, on, like, BBC3 or whatever. You know, the iPlayer. So... You know, the the tabloids always go and like, oh, Doctor Who's ratings the worst it's ever been, and it's just like I don't think it's that much. I don't think, like I say, you can't we can't take too much stock into that anymore. No. You know what I mean?
5: Well, I think in as well in a, in a, <clears throat> something that I usually point out is BBC isn't a commercial channel. It's not no. relying on people watching ads. So in a way, it 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 kind of doesn't. It almost kind of doesn't matter, mm. especially when you're you're a product that makes as much flat stacks as uh, as um, Doctor Who
1: does in merchandise it does, and stuff. I mean, it, it does matter in as much not in terms of ad revenue, but in terms of BBC prestige, um, in terms of the BBC keeping all you know its license fee its mm. char- as as is. it's easier if you're the BBC to defend the corporation against a government that's trying to defund it. Mm-hmm. If you say, look how many people watch Doctor Who. Look how popular it is worldwide. Look how much it is in merchandising. It's just an extra layer of protection for the BBC, and not just Doctor Who, by the way, all its major programmes, mm. um, against... It's. I mean, you've got to understand that, and this might, isn't always the case, but we're in a time where the government are seriously trying to fund it. <coughs> and, mm. and the BBC, as we know it, may not exist in a decade's time.
4: Mm.
1: So something like, Doctor Who on its own can't save the corporation, no. but um, it can help yeah
0: fair point
5: absolutely. oh yeah fair absolutely
0: I'll, 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 yeah, I think that's a fair point mm-hmm. um, anyway Rich uh, you've... yeah I'm sorry I have to run
2: off no that's fine uh, but it's been fun yeah. I enjoy talking about Doctor Who again finally <laughs>
0: <laughs> we well, welcome it's back any time you know
2: well I'll, I'll be in touch <laughs> you know, that's.
0: I'll, I'll. Yeah,
2: it's cool. Right. Thank you, everybody, and I'll. Uh, I'll see you all later. Bye, bye, everyone.
0: Bye. Bye. So I kind of want to talk about some of the guest stars, in particular Maisie mm-hmm. Williams. So um, Scott, what did you, what do you think of Miss Williams?
3: Uh, well, being a fan of Game of Thrones, ah, well, yeah, I was excited to hear that she was going to be on the show, and um, I had, I had assumed that she was just going to be showing up for an episode. And when I saw that all these episodes were two part episodes, okay, she'll be in two episodes and that's fine. Mm -hmm. And then every time she showed up after that, I got more and more excited. Mm -hmm. Um, because I, knowing her character from game of Thrones and having that be almost the only thing, uh, uh, almost the only reference for her. I think the only other thing that I've seen her in, other than Game of Thrones, was a Funny or Die video where she was working alongside Patrick Stewart as a um, as a ticket scalper,
4: <laughs>
3: which was hilarious. But it, that was that was not her Arya character. So when they put her on this show and to see her um, to see her character evolve in the way it did throughout this series, I thought it was really exciting. All the way up to where she shows up. At the, it was what was it? Was it the the season finale where she yeah. showed up again? Yeah, yeah. She's,
1: in the, she's in the last scene, pretty much.
3: Yep, yeah, s- sitting in her chair at the end of the universe. I couldn't remember if, for some reason. I thought that might have been face. Obviously, it wasn't face. The shoes in that sorry, one too. you are. Oh, so you're
5: joking! Kidding. Jesus what? Christ, Blair Walsh, get the fuck out of here!
1: Minnesota just missed like a sitter of a field goal. He completely hooked it wide. <laughs>
5: shanked it shanked
1: it yeah oh good lord I hope he never plays golf it was a, a horrendous field goal attempt and Seattle oh, a through,
5: <laughs> oh,
4: because them and Pittsburgh
1: me. both dodged two big bullets this weekend
5: I don't so, like football
1: <laughs> so, sorry about that, that was just, it was bad it was really bad you need to put a sad trombone over that replay
0: is <laughs> well, it? like absolute zero something in Minnesota so you know maybe that's yeah, factor. Um, so, Shane, what did you think of Maisie Williams?
1: Yeah, see, I was, um, on the whole, pretty disappointed. Um, I have a very much a love-hate relationship with Game of Thrones, but one of the areas of the show I really like is Maisie Williams as Arya. Um, I think she's she's been brilliant from when she first showed up. The character is one of the characters whose story I find very compelling and always glad when she's on screen. She did a movie earlier this year as well. I think it was called The Missing or something to that effect, which I haven't seen, but I've heard is magnificent. I think it's a horror, a horror but psychological horror movie. Apparently really good. So she's in Doctor Who and I'm thinking this will be good. Um, like Scott, you think, okay, one episode. Mm-hmm. However, the way they kept keeping her... Um, role quiet, I thought. Not necessarily multiple episodes, but she's going to be very important. Um, uh, did you lot speculate on your preview that she might be a version of the Doctor or something? No. no. no we no. will right. still I, I idea, that idea, if
5: though. If it ever comes up, we we stole that idea. Right. So yeah, we totally yeah. had that idea first. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I must have <laughs> heard
1: that from somewhere else. But I, and I, this partly down to the writing, um, I thought the first two parts she was in, I really didn't like. Um... I found her character largely underwhelming um when she's in the woman who lived playing i don't know this however years old she's a 400 year old woman who's like the scarlet pimpernel i didn't believe it and it's odd because she has carried a weapon in game of thrones and i have no problem believing that Hmm. but i didn't believe it and I, d- I wasn't sure what it was. And then she shows up in, uh, in Face the Raven. Mm-hmm. I wasn't blown over by that much. Then she shows up at the end of Hellbent. Mm. And the first time is when I found her character compelling in any way. And I think it was partly to do in its, you know, television as well as uh, cinema. These are visual mediums. So yeah. sometimes just how someone looks can make a huge difference. Um, take the Kevin Spacey for American beauty and then have him look the same as his character in seven and the character is not as terrifying um, American history X is a great example mm-hmm. the changes in Ed Norton's <laughs> character are demonstrated by the way they have him look and the way they had her look at the end of hell bent they done. it was like they kind of puffed up her hair a little bit like they gave her hair some added volume the way she was sitting in that chair into the universe there was that almost bronze yellow filter over it her eyes were almost looking like they were sparkling and she had a very enigmatic quality to her, which is probably her strength and my strength as an actor. And in the earlier episodes, she had to play... She looked like a girl playing dress-up. I think it doesn't help she looks younger than she is. Because um, I, I think she's like 18, 19. Yeah, she's 18, um, yeah. But she looked too young to be going around. Like, as a Scarlet Pimpernel. You know, it looked look like a school play. Or even... Immediately, it did not look like Scarlet I just didn't believe it at all. I did not believe that she would go around potentially threatening people with death and, you know, happily stealing from them. Um, someone who has, like, when you see the doctor, you know you're looking at the character mm-hmm. who has eons of history behind them. And the character in all incarnations to work, you have to believe that they've been around even if looking like that they have been around and they have that history behind them i think that's why people think so the doctor always has to if not be older has to seem older mm. um she didn't seem older at all i mean the the um girl who died not so much her for i just thought it was a a mess of an episode um so i didn't i didn't expect her to save that but then when it's in the woman who lived which is a really serious story i mean a really serious um And heavy tale. Of someone who's. Basically. You know. Living in her own grief. For how many years. um, Waiting for the Doctor. And she's not that kind of disposed towards the Doctor either. Um, They have. There is a bond. In terms of. That they've seen a lot of things. And they're quite similar personalities. But um, almost how I imagine. The Master and the Doctor. Back on Gallifrey in the early days, there is that bond, but obviously she's she uh, man she uh, has reconciled it a very different way, and she seems quite bitter and angry uh, and sad about all the things she's lost. Where the Doctor is very much you, Doctor keeps going, yeah. more or less. She well, and she's a human, so she can't yeah. let go. Let go in that same way. So it's, it's really serious stuff, and you think, "Oh, this is." something for an actor to get their teeth into um and the way that whole episode was rendered the way it was shot um it was shot the way it was written you had rufus hound as, as a comedy um <laughs> as the light comedy and i just think that had no place in that episode i thought totally it was even him to be
0: perfectly honest
1: yeah you know, <laughs> it, it wasn't him. sure i wasn't sure if i decided to look it up um <laughs> it had no place in that episode that was an episode that should have been in tone quite similar to Heaven Sent. Not the same, not exactly the same, hmm. but that same kind of tone. Um, something, something really serious, or even an episode like Ooh, Amy's Choice, or something like that. Where if there's any comedy, it's dark comedy. Um, hmm. Where it was far too broad. So like, the balance was a mess. Um, the way Amy Williams, sorry, Maisie Williams look, <laughs> they <laughs> made her look like a child dressing up as a grown-up like a school play um, Face Raven slightly better I mean she's not really the focus of the episode um, but still seemed a little bit like a child among adults oddly enough when I see her at the end of Hellbent it was like "Ah, oh, there she is that's what I've been waiting for this whole time hmm. because then she seemed like someone who has a knowledge and not so much knowledge because she's particularly smart but just a knowledge of experience incredible experience um, and something something inscrutable behind her where you feel there's something simmering, potentially quite dark, simmering beneath the surface of the character. Um, like, if I've seen, and the way they made her look, as well, just little touches with the way they did her hair, her hair was completely different. Um, that, that, and the way they shot her, I think, made a big difference. If I'd have seen that, from like the woman who lived onwards, I would have liked it a lot more. Um, I'm not against seeing her again, but I'd like to see her rendered the way she was in
3: Hellbent. If all the fans get their way, then we might see her more, because you know that the, the outcry <clears throat> immediately after the season finale wrapped up was a spin-off. everyone wanted a spin-off series of <laughs> Clara and uh, me.
1: Yeah, they've already got a spin-off going. They haven't got the money for another one. They ain't got the money for Maisie Williams full-time. They just don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's not going to happen. That's that, That's a fanfic thing only. Yeah,
0: I think uh, the only way they'll ever get, they get Maisie Williams back is when Game of Thrones ends. They might get her back here and there, but like, not like, regularly. Do you no. know what I mean?
3: No way. Maybe yeah. if, if Big Finish wants to shell out the money to get her to come and record, then big finish might give us some further jenna and me adventures but i'm Mm -hmm. not gonna hold my breath for that either no they've got that money
1: (laughs) the bbc don't the big finish one um (laughs) they won't have the money to get to get them both as well exactly if it's a spin-off you need them both you can't just have one so that's fanfic maybe comics you can maybe if you really wanted do it in comic form but i heard about this year demand for a spin-off as well um But yeah, that's just... It's just not going to happen. (laughs) You know, fans want it or don't want it. It's irrelevant. It's just not going to happen. Mm. Because the the money's
3: not there.
0: Um, Anyway, Scott, I believe it's your turn to uh, park base with this, isn't it?
3: Yep, I have to take my leave. But um, the the one thing... uh, If we had uh, uh, more time for me to stick on the recording then something i would have wanted to talk about i'll throw this out here and if you guys want to talk about it i will listen when the episode comes out and that is discussion of the sort the storyline of the hybrid because that had me curious throughout the whole series i know they were throwing different uh, uh, possibilities and red herrings at us and even at the end of the, of the series i wasn't sure if they had actually answered that question for us or not whether they had said that the hybrid was the doctor and clara while they're together Mm-hmm. or if that was just a maybe. It, it felt like, and it, it feels like they do this. So I have long enough just to put this out there, yeah. that it feels like they do this a lot with with Doctor Who, which is you have a big storyline, and you're trying to figure out the, the, the answer to the big mystery, and when it comes time to give the answer to the big mystery, they give you a couple, it might be this, it might be that, is it this? Well, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And then they just move on. And it, it, they don't often give you a rock-solid feeling of resolution for a lot of these things. So by the end of the season Doctor is talking to a shielder and she says uh, perhaps the hybrid is you and Claire together. Doctor says well maybe the hybrid is you with you and the Meyer technology together. Maybe you're the hybrid. She says yeah well maybe it's you. And he says well maybe it doesn't matter. She says maybe it doesn't. Okay let's move on. And then that's it. And then I don't know if they're actually telling us that the hybrid is the Doctor and Claire or not. Maybe the hybrid is the Doctor if we want to reach way back into the '90s with the TV movie of the Eighth no, Doctor, that, that didn't happen. where he said that, that, he said that <laughs> no, his mother was no, healing. no, <laughs> Scott. Sorry, don't know what you're talking about, mate. No, yeah. that, no. no I mean, <laughs> you
0: hey, uh, so so
3: can't ignore that TV movie. That that movie with the Eighth Doctor was was my introduction to Doctor Who. That was what? the first Who that I ever saw. So I have to keep it. <laughs> I have to hold on to it. I'm not going to say that I have to hold on to, to the Doctor having a human mother, but the the movie itself, that I have to hold on to it. That's why the short, The Night of the Doctor, was so exciting for me, because we got to see Paul McGann come back on screen and see his Doctor. But hybrid discussion, you guys can can have it, and then let me know uh, what you come up with afterwards, because I'll be interested to hear what you guys have to say about it. Okay. Also, here's a, here, here's a little question. Did anyone get the feeling that... Uh, was it Ohila? The, um, the the woman from the sisterhood of Karn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did anyone get the feeling that she, that they're trying to make us think that she is the doctor's mother?
4: None. From the way no. she
3: spoke to him in that in, out? In no, I think no? She, no,
0: she just sees no. him as a bit of an upstart. <laughs> she okay. just sees him as a uh. complete little upstart, that's all, so. I, I figured you guys would know better than me, of- so I had to ask. No, I mean,
5: but, so the only one they've ever made that a big thing about was Claire Bloom.
0: Hmm. Uh, end of
3: time.
5: End of time. If it's going to be anyone, it's going to be her. Yeah.
3: Mm.
0: But anyway, thanks right. for
3: stopping by, Scott. Thank you, guys, for having you. me. It was really exciting. I've been listening for so long, and now I get to be part of it. Yay! you oh, Like, 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 Rich, you are welcome back anytime you we wish. Excellent. Well, I, I'll keep it in mind. Cool. All right. Take care. All right. Thanks, guys.
1: Hey, we'll go, see you. Right. Um. So, the, what the two questions Scott left us with, um. Yeah, well, I hybrid. mean, to be honest,
5: mm. in his, his speculation about the hybrid, he kind of did all the talking we need to do about the hybrid. I mean, because from minute one, it's always been kind of background stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. it was never really the big bad or the big focus or anything like that. And, you know, it, it's the one of those things that Moffat likes doing is sort of like, you know, leave it open, it's up to you, it's whatever you think. So, well,
1: the, thi- well, the thing is, is that, I mean, just Scott said, you know, they moved on and that was it, but that's not it. Because this is clearly the start of a storyline. How long did it take us to find out about the crack in the wall? Five um, years. Well, the entirety
5: what? of Smith's run, essentially. Yeah, yeah. That
1: was his entire run. So, I mean, I am kind of inclined to agree with Emma when she thinks Capaldi may not be long uh, for his role, because mm-hmm. I because I think Doctor Who's a very grueling role, oh, and yeah. not that Capaldi's old, but that he's old. You Mm -hmm. can imagine just getting exhausted after... It's almost a a year-round job, just getting exhausted after a while and being like, okay, I'm done. Um, So maybe not... When we'll see it, that's how Capaldi's time will come to an end. Mm -hmm. But you imagine if Moffat started the storyline now, then is he planning to be around for a while? Because I'm just going to think in the crack. The crack was in all Smith's run up four or five years. So in terms of the revelation of whoever, whatever well, the hybrid is. Yeah. Um,
0: we'll see the cracks are a bit of an interesting case because it's had like a couple of different iterations actually because there was the main thing throughout series five and I think it was pretty much hinted that that was because of the TARDIS exploding at the end of Pandora opens, like it splintered time. But then it appears again and it's like the, the same crack but it's in like, a different context because that's Gallifrey, you know, breaking through... The, the seal slightly to try and like get the Doctor to say, it's alright, you can come out now, and that's how they actually send him the new regeneration cycle, so it's, it's kind of odd um, as for the hybrid itself, I think I, honestly, I don't think that's going anywhere, to be perfectly honest I, I don't know whether this is like Moffat okay, no, it's not, not deconstructing, it's probably not the right term but it's sort of like, Doctor Who's become very reliant on this sort of plot arc over the course of a season and it's like it's something that has to be resolved and what i got the feeling with the whole hybrid thing was because there's so many different like, like like we say in the scene between the doctor and me at the end of the universe there's all sorts of different combinations that the hybrid could be and gallifrey does have this tale of the hybrid um because it's implied that's what made the doctor run leave gallifrey in the first place but then again, it's sort of like, well, you know, where did this story come from? You know, could it be like sort of like a bit of a paradox, like like so it ends up going back in time, and then that's how it starts. But ultimately, because it's sort of like it's never resolved, and it's sort of like I said, it doesn't matter. That's why oh. I kind of like wonder why it's sort of like it's just more fact messing with like the oh. established trope now. Do you know what I mean?
5: Yeah, and also, I mean, there is a sort of. School have thought that we've already had the hybrid. We've already had the Dr. Donna. Mm, yeah. So how do we know it has not already happened?
1: Exactly. Mm, I, mm, I think it was just because, particularly in the final episode, they really nailed it home, that this isn't a throwaway thing. This is a a thread that is, yeah, that isn't going anywhere. But yeah. I can't imagine it's a thread that Moffat's handing over. No. So no. as long I, as he plans to stay, we'll have this... Um, yeah. It, it, someone else isn't finishing that particular subplot, he's finishing that subplot mm. it's I mean I guess it can help in terms of in terms of the narrative, you know you're writing towards something, it's not something that I particularly enthused I mean not, I didn't t- I'm not turned off by it but I'm not mm. oh I desperately want to know yeah. <laughs> it's I, not a part of the Doctor's yeah. backstory that I feel, yeah. or, Gallif- or Gallifreyan folklore that I feel like desperately need to know yeah
0: i could sort of like do without like a sort of plot arc for, like for like a series or so just like just have it be like adventures or something maybe it's like have it build up to like a finale but not like be like like talk to it or something where it's like this phrase or this thing's like threaded throughout several episodes oh david just, like,
1: David's ain't around so that won't be happening yeah
0: um, but one other thing that I did want to mention about the hybrid is why I kinda of thought this might be a bit of like a like a paradox, is because the doctor himself says, It doesn't matter what I know about the hybrid, it's the fact that I know about the hybrid is just because that's his like his bargaining chip with the Time Lords to try and save Clara from her fate. So he doesn't he doesn't actually know what the hybrid is, but it's it's enough to the Time Lords that he knows about it. And they sort of, like, know of, like, stories of it. You know what I mean? It's sort of like, it's, it's kind of, it is it's sort of like the MacGuffin of Doctor Who, really, isn't it? Yeah, like, I it mean, do, it yeah. Doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what exactly it is. It's, it matters that people know about it and they want it.
1: Um, yeah, in terms of it's, it's, as long as I have the information. Mm-hmm. It, it, the secret's better, it's better to me as a secret than not be a secret. The only problem is we already have that in the show with his name. Hmm. so you're giving us another thing that this secret that everyone wants to know and it doesn't become valuable once everyone knows it and yeah. it's only valuable once the Doctor knows it that oh. would make more sense if we didn't already have something like that mm-hmm. and established in recent in uh, recent history of the show well, yeah well
0: actually now that you mention that it makes me think back to um, Time of the Doctor because the, the question that it's being sent from Gallifrey to say you know, it's all right, come out, is Doctor Who. And Clara herself, when she talks to the crack, she says, you know, it doesn't matter. All that matters is he's the Doctor, and, you know, if you love him, and you should, you'll mm. pull your fingers out your asses and do something to help him, you know, when he's making his last stand against the Daleks. So it's it's almost, it's again, it's a bit recursive. It's like, I think Muffet's just, like, playing that uh, card again.
1: It's a possibility. I mean, it's it's definitely vague enough where you can speculate pretty much anything.
0: Hmm. There was an article on Dan of Geek, I think it, would, uh, it was a, a, uh, uh, an interview with Stephen Moffat, um, saying that he's, he's involved in finding a replacement for him as showrunner. So obviously the obvious question is, Series 10, will this be the end of Stephen Moffat as showrunner and the end of Peter Capaldi as the Doctor?
5: I, I would, I would imagine that Capaldi would do one more year, and that is it. myself. Hmm. I mean, because I, I'm, I just think that, like I say, I think just the the kind of to use a, a, a thing, a useful phrase from, you sort of hear around the news, the mission creep. Hmm. You know, the it, the it's sort of been he's done would have done three years. Um, I think he would probably want to move on. I would think, and if you're going to have the the Supremo replaced, you know, you're you're moving on. Essentially, moving on with him, I don't think that's an entirely bad idea. So, I would be amazed if he stays on Beyond Series 10 myself.
1: Well, the, your standard time is four, four or five years, really, isn't it? This is his third. Um, mm. I mean, again, it's not that. Um, I mean, I, d- I don't know what his <laughs> stamina is like, but um, because he's a bit older than Tennant was and Smith was, um, you wonder if that will factor in, in terms of. In terms of tiredness, because that's—I think a lot of fans don't understand—with the doctor, you have to be the doctor all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you it's, know, not you just, have... it's not just filming.
0: You've got a, like all the press, and even like—I mean, even before series eight like airs they had the the world it. They were going all over the place. You know, South Korea, yeah, and like,
5: like, Australia, and I think we've been back to Australia since.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: You know, it's it's a lot to do. And it's you say it's life encompassing as well. You know yeah. you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. I say you shouldn't have to move house because someone know because the kids at the school know where you live. Yeah. I mean that is ridiculousness. I mean you know and it, there's only so much of that I think you can someone can comfortably do. So you know, but I th- I, th- I mean to be honest, I think that obviously depending on how season ten, season ten comes out, if series ten is anything like as good as uh, if I enjoy it as much as anything like I enjoyed series nine then I would be entirely happy to say, right, that's his body of work and okay. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that we may be into the time where Moffat is sort of saying, you know, my workload and Sherlock, and he wants to move on and do other things. So perhaps it's, it's, it's a good
1: break. Yeah. I mean, I always thought particularly with the showrunner, cause that's even a tougher undertaking. than the playing the lead role, even more so when you're doing two shows, um, I'm not going to think three, four years is probably five at the most until you probably get fried, but Moffat has gone... Um, well, this is his fifth? No, sixth now, isn't it? Hold oh, uh, no, Smith. Fourth for Smith? The, it, was, it was
0: 2010 when he took over. Well, it was 2010 when Smith's first series aired, yeah. so...
1: So he was writing it the year before. Yeah, so this would be his sixth year, arguably, Hmm, the seventh yeah, year of right.
0: Six yeah,
1: six thousand um yeah. So I thought he would have actually gone past breaking point now and just he unless he really enjoys it and he doesn't um I, I thought once we got past five years and he stuck around, it was like, okay, all bets are off then. He may stick around who knows how long we we'll stick around for. Um mm. So I mean, I definitely think he's he's had a pretty good run. I mean I don't think I mean I guess Sherlock is less work, even though it is still a lot of work. But you're obviously restricted or you're bound by Freeman and coming back to his own schedules Um, Mm -hmm. whether he sticks around long enough I think the decision will be his I don't Mm. think it will be because fans want him to stay or want him to go Uh, press want him to stay want him to go you know and I think the BBC are happy to keep him around Um, so I mean if they yeah I mean if this is his last then they must have started looking already hmm. for the next the next one.
0: Yeah. Well, I think I mentioned um, during when we talked about *Husbands of River Song* that I I read that uh,
1: that was meant it, to be his last. Yeah. Story.
0: Yeah, and I think the only reason, if obviously you know, he still has a great love for the show, and I've actually brought up uh, the end of Geek* article where I read about this, and he says um, that's about the difficulty of finding a suitable show to fill his shoes. So I think that's I think that's kind of like what the current thing is it's trying to find somebody who can who can comfortably take the reins. And it says the that's a that's an issue and one I'm actively engaged in, but I can't say much about that. Everything is difficult in Doctor Who, including leaving, and I would never do anything to harm it. I'd never leave it in the lurch because it means too much to me. Yes it's a problem. Let's not pretend it's a big problem, but there will be a solution.
1: See, I always thought Toby Whitehouse was kind of already airmarked in to do what Muffet did when Davis left.
0: A, well uh, Tell me, um, the number
1: of people I can think of who could possibly step in, but yeah, thought uh, so Toby Whitehouse was, you know, mm. uh, penciled in to be next mm. because he ticks a lot of boxes. Yeah, he's run his own shows. He's run his own genre fiction shows. He's got <clears> a <throat> history with the BBC. He's worked, written episodes for Doctor Who. Mm. Some of them very well received. It it seemed it. I don't know. It just seemed to me kind of hmm. almost without thinking that what well, he's going to be next. Not even a yeah. question of quality. I mean, what do you think of his writing? I, I was not yeah. even talking about it in that way. It just it seemed that he would tick enough boxes that he'd be next.
0: Yeah, I mean, he it could easily fill the the shoes. I see it's just on whether it's like when Moffat was like writing under RTD's reign. I think everybody was saying, "Oh yes, definitely this guy." And I don't know what it is about under Moffat's reign. I mean, yeah, obviously Toby Whittaker, but it's like I, I don't know. It's like there's nobody really sort of like going, ooh, "Ooh, I'll do it." Well, no one's mean.
1: who's really written any episodes in Moffat's Tenny that really stood out consistently, apart mm. from the, the main guy.
0: Yeah, that's that's very true. I mean, we couldn't we can't see no came like, in because he what because, fun what like ooh. memorable episodes. Mm. We couldn't say no. like Neil Gaiman because he probably wouldn't do it anyway. No. But even then, you know, you got the Doctor's wife, which was sublime, and then you got Nightmare in Silver, which
4: was right. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, but beyond that, what like episodes would you say? Oh, that was an absolute classic. That's one of my favourites since the show's come back. Um, that haven't been written by Moffitt since moffitt has been in charge.
0: Well, I've, I've got to say, We're Flatline. Pl-
1: Flatline flat was very good. like which, uh, which, M- was, Jamie, which was Toby Whitehouse, though. No, it was like Jamie no. Matheson. Oh,
0: no, it was Jamie Matheson, that's right. Yeah, well.
1: Matheson, I think, kind of poured himself into contention after last year, Not like, this year. That's but, um, but, I mean, under Davis, everyone, when a Moffat episode came out, that made news mm-hmm. in the Doctor Who, I, amongst the Doctor Who fans, I don't mean national news. Yeah. Where the only time it's happened under Moffat is when he got gaming in. Because it was, and mm. because it was Neil Gaiman and because of his own history.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, where it's ne- it's never been big news of, oh, they've got this person to write it.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I mean, he hasn't... He's never written an episode. I'm still... I cannot believe how it hasn't happened, but how someone like Charlie Brooker hasn't written an episode. And, because if he wrote an episode, that's making news before he even starts writing it. Hmm. Um, uh-
0: well, there was another interview with Moffat I read that uh, apparently for Series Ten, there's two writers on, and he, and he said, I think he said, when you, "When you find out who they are, they'll blow your mind." And I think there's a lot of scuttlebutt um, going around that actually um, Stephen Fry might be like coming back because he was supposed to do, I think it was called Century House, yeah,
5: all the way back his, in, for yeah. Series what Two, it was, it was what came what back. Was, what was going to be in the <laughs> theatre slot essentially?
0: Yeah, and apparently there was like rumours going around that that Stephen Fry was uh, coming back to have another crack at
1: it, so... Well, that would make... Yeah, I mean, I mean, not as a showrunner, but as an... No, Indian, no, no. It's just, it's... You hire Stephen Fry, that's making news. You hire Charlie mm. Brooker, that's making news. Yeah. You even... More in America, in American audience, but you hire Shonda Rhimes, who is a massive Doctor Who fan, mm. <laughs> to write an episode, and that's making big news. Mm. That, you'd actually get a, a lot of different views as well. Um Yeah that one-off episode if she, if you pulled her into writing a uh, writing episode for example but we haven't had that under Moffat with the exception of Gaiman of yeah uh, well I guess Mark Gatiss but they at times almost seem to come as a pair these days yeah
0: yeah well I think that was another name people were tossing into like the hat for show and it was Mark Gatiss
1: yeah he's someone I, I, I imagine would be in the hunt I don't know if he'd won it mm. But if that's the name where if people are talking about names, then I would expect to see his name come up. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, maybe he's just hanging on because he wants to make sure, which would make sense. Yeah. So he can make sure they can give it off to a good person. But, I mean, if I'm the one making the decision, assuming... The will is there, there are people I can think of who you think, well I would, I'd give it to them I'd give it to them, I'd give it to them mm-hmm. so, I mean that's just, obviously my take Moffat's might be different um, but it doesn't I don't know, maybe he is kind of waiting for, a, waiting till he can hand it over and he's just going to try and hold the fort until then and he wants to do other stuff possibly Yeah. Poss- even though it's, it, also it's a prize gig you, you don't get enough job like this
0: yeah yeah. You, you kind of don't want to hand off just to, 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 to anybody, do you know what I mean?
1: No, no, definitely not. I mean, whatever one's thoughts about Moffat, he's a genuine lover of the show. Mm-hmm. D- you know, um, his adoration for the show is deep, and it, I don't think he'd ever do anything to intentionally harm it mm. um, at all. So, I definitely believe anything he does is for what at least he thinks is for the good of the programme. Yeah, and if he, there's not someone that he deemed suitable to take over around, then I definitely uh, would endorse him staying on. Mm. Um, you know, I don't know if this, this might just be common television, but one thing I have noticed on the Moffat's Ten is that they have a lot of different producers, like the main producer. You know how when mm-hmm. Davis was in charge and then Julie Garner was his producer? Yeah. And pretty much was a producer the whole way through. Yeah, yeah. Phil Collinson was as well, but he left to Coronation Street after, I think, about Series 4. Yeah,
4: but that's because yeah. he
1: always wanted to do that. But that was a established team. Muffets mm-hmm. mm. had a lot of different producers. Yeah, that's very true. There's no one that's really stuck around for long, for any longer <laughs> than two series.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I don't know... I don't know whether it's just like the... the I think that l- might
5: just be him. I think I get the mm. impression he's not the world's easiest person to work with. hmm so I think that might just be a, a him thing or that isn't really made the, like that sort of, you know, that sort of the Troika that was the, you know, the, the been the Davis time. He hasn't really made that sort of same connection with, with someone else to, to warrant them sticking
1: around.
5: For, oh, me, sticking around for a long time.
1: Yeah. Cause like under, I mean, looks, we understand that under Davis, like Gardner was almost his counselor at times as well as his producer. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm guessing I mean, probably Moffat. I mean, Moffat's married, so he's probably even got need for that that kind of sounding board in that way because he has his wife also is an established television producer in her own right. Mm. So maybe he can run ideas past her so it doesn't really need to rely on a producer apart from to do the more basic shit. Mm. Get the location sorted, make sure everyone gets there on time and all the other, the other not menial work, but the more basic work.
0: I kind of wonder whether, like, um, okay, I mean, you might uh, roll your eyes and discuss when but like, if you sort of like, think about the eighties when you had like um, JNT in charge, bus, there was like like a writing team. You had like Andrew Carmel under him who was mm. handling the scripts and stuff like that. I was mm. wondering whether sort of like something like that might work again for Doctor Who. Maybe, maybe it
5: would. Maybe it would. But I think that you. I mean, the worry is that you end up in a JNT situation in the. Mm. Because it was that thing of he didn't want to go because he knew if he went, the show would die. But at the same time, the, the show stagnated into death underneath in, under his, his tenure. So you don't yeah. want to end up in this situation. I mean, in a way, it's good that he's sort of proactively looking for someone to either groom or someone to hand the reins over to slowly rather yeah. than end up in this same situation in that he is sort of becomes the be-all and end-all no-one wants to take it over. I yeah. mean, obviously, the, the situation was a lot different in the 80s. The show had been on for an extremely long time. It, it it was in a lot of trouble and, you know, you know, it's not the same now, but in a way, it's good that he's looking for somewhere to go after him, that there is life after Moffat. Yeah. Like I say, you don't want to end up in this situation where... No one wants it because it's the poison
1: chalice. Hmm. Yeah, I, was... I mean, I Sorry. just imagine it. I just imagine it's actually one of the most sought-after writing jobs.
0: It is right now, yeah. particularly but... because so many. Oh,
1: you mean back in the eighties? You're talking about? Yeah, well, I was, I was
0: thinking. Right. I was thinking in terms of like like having somebody who's like an executive producer, like RTD, but like not also like head like executive producer slash showroom, but not also head
1: writer. So like, like what JJ Abrams does. Yeah, yeah, sort of. But yeah,
5: I don't think Moffat would accept that. I think he's just no. a guy who's just too much wants can you know wants to micro not micro manage or be controlling or whatever. But I think he's a person who wants hands on involvement. He wants to write yeah. scripts. He wants to do all of everything. I think being forced to take a step back would just basically mean he left. Mm-hmm. It's kind of all or nothing with him.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I was thinking like in terms of like after Moffat yeah like after him, makes.
5: yeah i mean you know it, it again but i think that the person who comes into it wouldn't have anything like his workload hmm. so um, yeah but it depends who they who they hire if it's someone who's a script writer primarily mm-hmm. then then yeah they need to be right they you know you'd expect them to do the same thing if they're writing five or six scripts and or <coughs> kind of thing or are they going to have someone who's whose specialism is management and hiring of people, it depends who they get hmm. and what the what the BBC wants out of someone in that role. Do they want someone who can do, who's this kind of dual person, or they want someone who's just a manager? Hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you would sometimes you get lucky and you get someone who can do both and has experience in both. So you get yeah, a JJ Abrams, a Shonda Rhimes, a um, I'm trying to think, it's someone else. I guess to extent, maybe an Ava DuVernay, but. I think generally you have to... If one, that person comes along, then great, you snap them up. But if they're not available, then you kind of do what they do like in the NFL, where you have a general manager and you have a head coach and you have a defensive coordinator <laughs> and you have an owner. So everyone has specific delineated strategies.
3: Mm-hmm. And you have
1: to make sure they're all working towards the same thing. Because then you've got chaos, if that's not... If, right. if, if two, if two uh, authoritative people are looking for different things with the show. Hmm. But it is assembling a team. Of sorts, yeah, because it's a massive undertaking for one person,
4: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm surprised Moffat's undertaken it for as long as he has done. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I kind of think by the time you do, your, you write your full series, you've got you know you're you're running empty after that.
0: Well, there's, there's always the mundane things to find the piss out of kids with, so you know he's he's good for that, I'm sure. <laughs>
1: yeah, maybe yeah, maybe, maybe that's actually what's kept him going.
0: Yeah. how can I torment people this
1: time (laughs) Um, I mean I think one thing is clear whenever he does go and whoever plays him it will be a very different show Mm. type of show whoever writes it yeah yeah. Um, Moffat's tenure is going to be I don't think anyone's tenure will ever be like his No, no his tenure I think is very I mean his writing style but also his outlook on the show Mm Mm-hmm. Is very, like, sui generis, I think. Um So I'm sure, you know, specu- speculation will con- con- continue until... I mean, do we even know what his contract situation is with... No,
5: sure? I, I don't know anything mm. about That's it. That's
1: secret. Um, I mean, to be fair, Bible's him, I was, might keep it secret as well.
5: I would, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't want that getting out. But um I'm sure, yeah, until we know one way or another, there'll be... I mean, I think the one thing we do know, there will be another, a full series 10 and he's at the helm. Mm-hmm. With Capaldi as a doctor. Yeah. But yeah, there is still. So, did we ever get into like your preferable choices for companions or did we. Well,
5: okay. no, because I mean, I, I've got no idea, honestly, hand mm. on my heart, mm. because, um, you know, it it's one of those things that someone will sort of be plucked out from obscurity, I think, probably again. Mm. Um, I would be surprised if it's not, like, say, a youngish woman again. I would be surprised if it's not that. I would really like it to be something else. But um, I don't think it will be. Um, yeah, I oh, think it... sorry, that's right.
1: Finish the point, and then I was, there's something else I got to say.
5: Yeah, that was that was basically it. In that I don't I don't imagine it would be anything, anyone other than sort of who we've who we've been seeing so far. You see what yeah. I mean? Um, I would really like it to be something else, but there we go. Yeah
1: on that, uh, that digital spy kind of YouTube thing I was talking about at the mm-hmm. festival they were being interviewed mm-hmm. that was the thing I remembered watching the interviewer asked Moffat about that and the nature of the nature of would it be one would it be two blah blah, blah. and Moffat was very kind of diplomatic and skirted around the issue without answering the question which is fine I mean yeah. I think mm-hmm. most in his situation would do the same they asked Capaldi the same thing and he without being explicit basically said he wants one companion that's it he said he, pref- yeah, without saying it would it would have to be one companion. Otherwise, I'm not doing it. But he mm. said it, he much preferred that. And behind him was the publicity shots of him and Clara, mm. r- running away from explosion. It was like, yeah, see, look at that. It looks so much better as well for the publicity photos <laughs> um, rather than three or four people. But it seemed Capaldi's, in from his perspective, it's quite clear that if. You know, um, and I'm guessing that there'll be some. He'll have some kind of input. I don't know how much, but yeah, he doesn't. Well, he, he doesn't want like to. He doesn't want it like you know, um, Ian and Barbara and Sue. You He wants one and just one. The, yeah. the,
5: the crowded Tardis was was a, a, a huge. Basically, it, it caused more problems than it's than it um, than it ever solved. And mm-hmm. um, I think that I think it's quite important. You know, that one-on-one relationship is. Is quite important to the show, and I think that you know why. And as well, being selfish, if you're the man, if you're the guy, you know, the main guy, you don't want people taking away from your screen time, do you? So,
1: hmm. <laughs> yeah, that might be part of it because that, believe, it was part of an issue. Back in the day, wasn't it?
5: Well, Tom Uh, Baker always persisted in this whole thing of like he didn't need a companion, and you know the face of evil, which I think you said was on, uh, was on on iPlayer, is is basically a whole big experiment to basically show Tom Baker that he did need a companion. Mm -hmm. Um, So (laughs) this is this is an an issue of old.
1: Yeah, um, but it it just seems that if Capaldi has anything to say about it, it's not going to be a three people Tardis. I would imagine plus it'll be just one. I'd
5: imagine he's probably got some say in it. I think he's got a degree of autonomy now.
1: Mm-hmm. Now
5: that he's been there a couple of years and he's sort of, you know, done the business, I think that he probably has some some amount of leverage.
1: Yeah, I, I would think so because I just don't think you make that statement publicly unless nah. no, yeah. you can unless you know you won't get in trouble for saying that. Yeah. So I would just I suspect as well that he'll have some say, and like whoever whoever makes it down to like the final five or whatever's got to probably read with him yeah so he's probably more more disposed to giving a good reading if he's reading with one person instead of two i
5: think i don't think we're at john pertwee levels of saying who gets to do what but i think yeah you're you're right in that they will have to read with him and things like that to see sort of what their connections like
1: Mm -hmm. yeah um and i mean obviously I'm, i'm open to the idea of Anything different, um, mm. but yeah, I suspect if you know, I mean, if someone's giving me ten pounds to go put down the bookies. It's yeah, it's on a young, mm. um, young, young, slim um, actor who's done the odd bit of thing of TV, but it's not going to be too expensive. Mm. Mm. So a uh, Jenna Coleman, yeah. a a Karen Gillen, a Freema Agyeman, for example. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's 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 saying something when your most famous companion out of the last ten, eleven years is Catherine Tate. You know, and Yeah, like, like in pre Who fame, essentially,
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah.
5: So Well but uh, again, that's something they've always done, so
1: mm. Oh yeah. That's true. Yeah, I mean that's the one good thing about Doctor Who actually in its in its um legacy, it makes stars more often than not.
0: Hmm. Um, I think a lot more you. so, like these days, certainly, because I mean, classic Who, the companions. I mean, apart with, with maybe the odd ex- few exceptions, like um, Fraser Hines went on to Emmerdale, and um, obviously Liz Laden came back and got her own t- spin-off series, um, returning to Who. Like the the actors who have played the companions haven't really. I don't want to uh, okay, it's going to be a bit disingenuous to say they haven't done much, but you know, it's not like, you know, you hear about Sophie Aldred appearing in a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, do you know what I mean? I don't I think it's probably just how, like, the nature of, like, how the show's bigger than it ever has been uh, since it came back in 2005, it's probably a, gotten a lot more attention. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's always been it's like a, a, it's like a showcase for new talent, really.
1: More often than not, mm. yeah, and it, and it turns people into stars,
0: yeah,
1: a lot of the time. Um, which is one of the ni- the nice, you know, things about the show historically.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, should we call time on this because it's uh, been about two hours since uh, we set this away? So,
5: yeah, let's uh, let's wrap up, shall we, boys? Um, yeah. So, I mean, uh, general
0: impressions of series nine: thumbs up, thumbs down. What do you reckon? I would probably go. I would probably say this is probably the best series of Doctor Who since it came back.
5: Oh. Um, I would I would agree with you in that just to, just in pure consistency mm-hmm. um, and just having like a you know just like not so much a, a target they were heading to but just good episodes back to back solid stuff. Enjoyed the companion. Enjoyed the doctor. Um, I've, I'm not sure it's my favourite since it's come back, but I mean, it's one that I thought it was really solid. I really enjoyed it, and it gave me a lot of hope, a lot of optimism going forward to series ten.
0: Yeah, it's certainly one I'd, I'd quite happily said uh, go down and rewatch.
5: Yeah, yeah, you'd be happy to stick the box set on and, mm-hmm. and watch it. Is one of those ones, you know. Mm.
1: Um, I'd give it one thumb up rather than two. Um, yeah, probably like a seven out of ten personally. Um, the, pr- the issue with me in terms of when I look back on a series and how fondly I look back on it, I tend to, and this is just me, tend to like the series more when it's. It, you feel like the Doctor and the Companion have the chemistry where you feel like you're watching two friends. So, to that point, my favourite, since the show's come back, my favourite series are probably Catherine Tate's one, um, hmm. Tenants' Ten- Ten- Final full series, or, and it's slightly cheating, but the Half series. Matt Smith half-series where you started with Data, um, Impossible Astronaut and ended in A Good Man Goes to War. Um, I hated the half-series after that, but the, that half-series might have been my favourite. Because it, you just... I just enjoy... If I If I feel there's a good connection with the Companions or and Doctor, then I'll pretty much accept them in almost anything. Mm-hmm. Because I just like spending time, quote-unquote, with these people. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you take Clara and Capaldi and put him in dinosaurs in a spaceship. I liked that a lot less than I did. Where well, I found that a fun romp, but I think that's partly because of the involvement of Smith and Daval and Gillen and the on-screen chemistry that I felt they had. Mm-hmm. Where I don't think the chemistry between Capaldi and Common wasn't bad,
4: mm.
1: but it just wasn't. It wasn't great. It didn't they didn't look like they hated each other or anything like that. But um, I thought the chemistry was just very lukewarm Hmm. um and that will always affect my overall feeling on a series but not a bad one i'd say you know i wouldn't say it's my favorite but i'd say it's seven out of ten and the work everyone did should they should be genuinely quite proud of the work they did
4: Hmm.
1: and i would like to see um completely unrelated but in a christmas special in terms of guest stars not famous people in terms of casting a famous person. Has Victoria Wood ever been in Doctor Who? No. no. How has that never happened? And Wouldn't she be perfect for a Christmas yeah. <laughs> special?
5: She'd be great. I, everything yeah, I agree about, with you. She'd be
1: great. But, she but everything about her, because she can do the tone of her um, type of acting, performance, whether she did serious or comedy. Mm-hmm. She she has that right level where she can be serious, but she's such a naturally funny person. So she'd make... you give her lines and she'd make them funny immediately. mm I think she um, fit a Christmas special perfectly, or Julie Waters, but Victoria Wood in particular.
5: I'd, I'd be all right if they just stopped the episode and cut away for five minutes and had her do their uh, Let's Do It song. Oh, you know, I'll be the funniest song of, that's <laughs> ever been written. Um, yeah, Ballad
1: of Whoever and Whoever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that would be my, my wish for like next year. Can we get Victoria Wood on the show, please? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just yeah. as yeah. a one-off. Just as a one-off. Not as a permanent thing. One-off episode would be awesome.
0: Well, she's not wasted like Bill Bailey was and uh, Dr. Who. Yeah, and w- Lee,
1: like, give her like, more than about five minutes of screen time as well. Yeah.
0: Um, so anyway, that's uh, our show. So thank you very much, uh, Shane.
1: Uh, thank you for having me and my illness on, on the, the show.
0: That's the problem. It's didn't sound too bad, actually. Um, so as always, do uh, email us at Show at typicallysyndicated.com let us know what you thought about Series 9 as a whole. Um, also, facebook.com slash show the galaxy and also on twitter at Great show pod uh do check out simply syndicated also the brand new Simply everything is now live so uh six pound a month and you can listen to archive shows of pretty much everything simply Syndicated has ever done
5: and, um, and new shows the x-files show trust no yes. one and the quantum Leap show oh boy
0: yes that's very true um so with that being said we're off thank you very much emma ta mike and we'll talk to you another time